You are listening to the brand new episode of In Love With The Process. I am your host, Mike Petchy. How are you? Come on in, grab a seat, grab a beer. You drinking beer these days? You're not drinking beer? That's fine. I think we got some sodas in there, uh, maybe some wine, maybe some you want. Uh, it's the holiday season. You guys want like a holiday drink? Uh, just relax. My point is, is come on in and relax. Uh, I know there's a lot of you here. I know th- there's plenty of room. I know it's going to get crowded today. Come on and grab a seat. Uh, it, it's. I think this is going to be our top episode of 2022. I can tell you that right now. This by far is the uh, largest profile director that we've had on the show. Uh, and uh, I am fucking amped about it. <laughs> uh, I've already recorded this uh, this interview and it is massive. I am so fucking excited about my conversation with uh, director Joe Carnahan. Now, if you guys don't know who Joe Carnahan is, like where the fuck have you been, right? Uh, Joe has been responsible for some of the coolest uh, action movies uh, that have come out since, you know, I was in fucking film school. All right. So let's start back at the beginning. Uh, the first one I ever saw was NARC, which is technically isn't his first film. He actually has a film before that. But that was the first one that I saw. And I think that was the first one that most of the uh, the planet saw. And it was an epic film um, that uh, really blew the doors off of the independent world at that time. Uh, both him and I talk about the epic sort of handheld shot that sort of defined uh, crime uh, indie crime dramas after that. Uh, stars Ray Liotta, who fucking crushes it. He's awesome in it. Jason Patrick's in it. Um, if you haven't seen it, go check out NARC. A lot of young listeners are always asking, what kind of movie should I be watching? Go back and watch NARC. It's amazing. And since then, he's done movies like Smoking Aces. <laughs> we all know Smoking Aces. It's the infamous movie that uh, a character makes a dead Ben Affleck talk by moving his lips with his hands. <laughs> it's one of my favorite sequences ever. Uh, he did the uh, Hollywood remake of The A-Team. Epic movie. Epic cast. Bradley Cooper, Liam Nielsen. Oh, my God. That movie is so much fucking fun. Um, And then he did The Grey. He switched it out and did like a very intense drama, action drama um, starring Liam Nielsen that uh, has some of the most haunting sequences in it. And it really, you think you go into it based upon the trailer, you think you're getting into just like, you know, an airplane crash action movie. Um, But at the end of the day, it says a lot about um, death, dealing with death uh, and dealing with loss. It's a phenomenal movie. And we talk a little bit about that. And then maybe you saw Stretch. A lot of people didn't see Stretch. Great fucking film. Uh, He also did The Blacklist on TV. Remember the Blacklist TV series? It was huge. Uh, Recently, a lot of you young folks will know him for Boss Level, which was that epic uh, movie that was released on Hulu uh, starring um, Frank Grillo and Mel Gibson, Naomi Watts. Always got these killer fucking uh, cast members, Joe. Um, that movie was so much fun. You know, talk about a guy who... It's a, it's Groundhog Day for video gamers. <laughs> That's how I would put it. Amazing movie. And then more recently, I saw his latest Cop Shop, which I really enjoyed as well. Um, so, yes, Joe Carnahan is on the show today. Um, we're going to get deep into his work, um, the life of a Hollywood uh, screenwriter, 
director, the trials and tribulations. Joe just, he's a great storyteller and he tells me some epic fucking stories about the business and how it's worked for him. Um, and how, I mean, I had been talking to Joe a little bit a while ago. I've been trying to get him on the show, but really we bonded and connected because he saw 12 cam, which is fucking insane. Uh, he saw 12 cam and really loved it. Uh, and reached out to me and started to talk to me about it. So you'll hear him ask me a lot of questions about 12KM in this. Because this is the first time, you guys are hearing the first time that Joe and I have spoke to each other uh, without just sending random texts or random messages. So um, he takes the time to ask me a lot of questions. And I try not to have this show be about me. <laughs> try not to have the show be about 12KM, but he genuinely had some questions. So we get into it. So uh, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an epic one, and I'm excited to have it for you guys. I'm excited that you're all here to experience it with me. And I'm telling you, it's going to feel <laughs> it's gonna feel like you're hanging out on the couch with two rugged dudes. <laughs> and I love it, man. I absolutely love it. But before we get into it all, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank every each and every person that has sent me a DM to watch 12KM on my Instagram at MikePetchy. Um, for those of you who uh, haven't been following me, those of you just showing up, my uh, short film went viral online, and uh, I have had hundreds and thousands of folks DMing me their three favorite horror movies, because that was the rules. If you wanted to see 12 Cam, you send me your three favorite horror movies, and uh, if I like them, if I agree with you, then I'll send you a link to see my film. I have been, for two weeks responding to DMs, and I've been doing it as fast as humanly possible. I just calculated it today. I have sent out over 20,000 personal DMs. <laughs> my eyesight's fucked. Like, I've been looking at my phone for so long that my eyes are going. Um, and I have barely scratched the surface of it. So I, I want to make sure those of you listening to the show, if you've sent me a DM and I haven't responded yet, it's not intentional. It's not because I don't like your list. It's not because I don't like you. It's just literally down to the to, to luck at this point. I was trying, I spent yesterday like trying to dig deeper, right? Because this has been going on for two weeks. Two weeks. Let me just try to give you perspective here. Every 10 minutes, I get 20 DMs for two weeks. And I'm just trying to keep up. I'm just trying to keep up. And I know a lot of you are like, well, asshole, why don't you just fucking release the movie for free? No, this movie never was never going to be released to the public. And I've tried to explain that to folks. This film is a short film. It is a proof of concept movie that I created to go along with a feature film script. Now, if you're a director or a quote unquote first time director, you need to do a proof of concept. This helps you on a, a bunch of different ways, right? First things first, if you send someone a script, that person's going to read a script through their mind's eye. So they're going to uh, make sure that they bring in all of their personal experiences, their personal preferences, whether or not they like these kind of human beings will affect whether or not they like the characters in that film. And then they're going to instantly, while they're reading, sort of hunt for other movies that they've seen and apply that tone to it. Like, ah, reading this, this feels like Predator. Suddenly it's got a McTiernan look in their mind, right? Or I was reading this and this seemed like Smoking Aces. Suddenly it's got a Carnahan look in their mind as they're doing this. If you're a director, you want to establish your own personal tone. That's what a proof of concept does. 
more than anything else. So I've had a bunch of folks ask me questions about why is it a short film? It's a short film because it's just setting up the world, setting up my tone, and making sure that it, by the end of the movie, whoever's watching it wants to see more. It's calculated to be that. So that way, when I show it to investors or studio execs, they want to make the feature version, right? So any person that writes back and says to me, ah, this movie gets like a 7, 8, 7.8 out of 10 because the one thing that was wrong with it is that I needed more. That's, it's, it's intentional. I did that intentionally. So it's working. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, man. Uh, but here's what I'm going to do. If you're listening to the show today, right? Uh, all of you podcast listeners get your own personal password. The link to watch 12KM for you, the podcast listener, can be found at inlovewiththeprocess.com on its homepage. On the homepage, scroll down, you'll see enter password for 12KM. Put in the password. It's all in capital letters. I-L-W-P. I-L-W-P. At inlovewiththeprocess.com. So you can watch the film and you might want to do so before you listen to the rest of this episode because you know we're not going to give away any spoilers here but we will be talking about specifics and you you might feel like you're more in the club if you've seen it you know and those of you who already have seen it those of you who ordered t-shirts you guys are the best i mean it i absolutely mean it and i say this from the bottom of my heart I go through this entire process to meet each and every one of you. I physically want to hand each person a ticket to see this film, to know who's watching my movies, to understand what their taste in movies are, but more importantly, to make a personal connection with you. Because 12KM is only one film in a bunch of films that I have coming out. So there's many of you that are like, is there more work? Is there more stuff? There is. I promise you, there is. And I want you guys all to be a part of this this podcast, this experience. I want the fans of my work to feel like we're growing together. We're learning together. I'm trying to give you guys as much as I'm getting. You know what I mean? So thank you for being here. Thank you for the support. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So let me not drag it out any further because it's going to be a long episode and it's fucking great. So you know the deal. Grab that beer. Find a nice comfy seat. You got those noise-canceling headphones on, right? Crank them up to 11. I'll hit you guys up with some fucking sweet track right now. Get you in the mode. Sit back, relax, and enjoy an epic year-ending episode of The Love of the Process.
Joe. Hey, man, what's happening? Welcome to the show. You tell me, man. I'm I'm, I'm very happy to be here, dude. dude. Very happy to be chatting. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, this has been something we tr- we've been trying to hook up for a while, and I'm fucking pumped that you're here, man. Oh, I'm glad, brother. If, if I if I can provide any entertainment to you, dude, uh, it might be a commentary on how sad your life is. But you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, come come on. All right, look. This this is this is the part of the show where I blow some smoke up your ass. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm here for it, dude. I'm here for it. No. <laughs> Uh, you know, talking about entertainment, man, like from the first time I saw NARC, like NARC was this fucking adrenaline shot into the independent world. And it just from that fucking chase scene that happens at the beginning of that movie, I remember just gripping my seat going, this motherfucker knows what he's doing. And it's awesome. And oh, that's, that's great. That was the, that was I mean, I've told the story before, but it bears repeating that that was uh, pure invention at that point because I had a steady camera operator that did one rehearsal and quit. He quit. <laughs> Jesus. So it became, it, it, I think I was 31 when I made that movie. It's like, it just became, this is the end of your career unless you could figure this out. I think that was day two yeah. or, or maybe the first day, dude. Maybe the first day, the first shot I did on NARC, if I if, if memory serves, which it doesn't, but I, I had that distinct feeling that that was it, that we began because we could kind of chronologically. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, nice. And, you got to figure this out now, pal, because there's no redo. You can't, you can't kind of throw your hands up and say, well, wait a minute. I had a plan and the plan's gone. You know, you had to improvise and audible and, and we got very lucky that we pulled it off. Well, dude, I mean, through that improv, like through that process of improvising, you found such a kinetic fucking energy that, right. You know, I think, I I mean, I've been there not at your level, obviously, but I've been there too, where you're on set and you're just like, Look, I fucking planned everything, and here comes, here comes Mother Nature. Here comes like you know, the, the every possible reason to tell me that I'm not supposed to be doing this and to shut this fucking thing down. And you eventually yeah. just have to pick up the camera and go, well, no, 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 fuck you. I'm going to do this right now. You, you know, gotta go. You, you, you got to go. It's so funny, does this watch? I've, I've been on this because I've been kind of like quarantining because my youngest uh, daughter uh, Olivia got COVID. Oh, she and, is she okay? Great. No, no, no. She's she, that kid's so tough. Um, okay. But but. Uh, I've kind of laid out, so I've I've done something which I haven't done in a long time, which is I just I've watched like four or five movies every day. Nice. And I was watching Chris Smith. I was watching an American movie, you know, Mark Borchardt. And I always say to people, it's like, you want to see what it, what being a filmmaker is like. Watch that movie because that <laughs> guy is fucking indomitable. Like he just will not give up. Ghost, you know, it's yeah. like that's how you have to be, brother. You know this. It's like, and to do it at, at a very high level, and brother, like when I look at your work, you know, you're doing it at a very high level, right? It's Thanks, like, man. That takes an additional amount of grit and 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 perseverance and resiliency. It's like that that in and of itself. It's just listen. You want to make a shitty movie is a lot of work, yeah. right? <laughs> you want to make something good is even more. To go make something great is it's like you, you, then you're just listen. It, it's like now you're playing you're, you're playing poker with 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 the universe. Like you just don't you know what I mean? You don't know <laughs> can you bluff? Do, you know do I show? Do I you know do I call? It's like it's 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 this whole kind of. Uh, uh, it's 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 a lot of um, of uh, kind of intersecting uh, fate that kind of that that, that uh, intervenes and, and and can really derail you at any given moment, dude. And not just the sun's going down. It's you know shit, man. The follow focus isn't working. Yeah. This isn't happening. We didn't we didn't plan for this. We don't have squibs. We don't have this. We don't. It's like you just got to simply soldier through. Yeah. You know? And and it doesn't matter if it's. A fifty million dollar movie or a fifty thousand dollar, you know, we're gonna go make this in our backyard. The, the exigencies of that remain the same. Yeah, no, totally, totally. You know, and there's some, there, there's something stress free 
when I did 12 cam, there was something very stress-free about the fact that I was just financing the whole fucking thing. So the, you just, wow. you just sort of hit a point where you go, I'm the boss. Let's do this in fucking Russian. Let's do, let's shoot, shoot a movie in a, in a language I don't speak. It's so cool. <laughs> such a ballsy endeavor. It's so beautifully shot and rendered and kind of like the fact you paid for that. I don't even want to ask you what the fuck that thing cost, but like, <laughs> but like the fact that you did that and it's, and it's, and again, it has that, um, like I told you, it's like, you know, there was this inflection point between like Carpenter and Kubrick. Thanks, and got man. It. Thanks, man. Like, Thank you. And I think that that, but, but again, to go and do that, dude, and then brother, and then to have the temerity and the kind of the courage to put bad reviews of your own. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's another level of gamesmanship. It's like, you know what that tells me to do? It's like, that is a tremendously confident fucking guy. And these things, brother. They become like it's like a pea shooter off the hull of a battleship at some point. If yeah. you're not inured to this shit, yeah. if you don't have a thick enough skin to take that, and I think that's that's the problem with a lot of people. It's like, listen, man, I've always hated IMDb. I yeah. think it's about thirty thousand assholes that comment on these movies, right? Yeah. And I've gotten along with them, and they've never got like it's like they never. It's like they've got their little favorites. They've got their little their little coterie of you know these people can do nothing wrong. Yeah, and I've always felt on the outside of that, but I like that dude. I like that I like that status. I don't want to be part of their little fucking reindeer games. I just don't. Yeah, yeah. Dude, I, that's what I've look from the outside, Joe, and and knowing as much as I know about you from being someone that doesn't know you, I've respected that about you because I've heard rumors about how you've handled things, and I've I've heard. You know, that you've always had like just like uh, a strong vision and a strong sense of confidence and that you're not afraid to walk away from something that isn't fucking right and that isn't no, doing something. And, right. and Mike, I think that, listen, I did it with and, and I'm, I'm dying to know what you've heard because I've heard uh, various, uh, you know, little drips and drabs over the years of this. Like, you know, he's a hothead. <clears throat> he, he's he, 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 he doesn't know how to. I mean, brother, I didn't get this was in the last year. I didn't get I had a management company say to my agent. We don't want to rep him because he has too many big projects fall apart, which I thought, wow. Fuck you know, those indeed. guys. Oh. By the way, brother, Mike, rather than be that guy and be like, I, I kind of stood back and looked at it just from their perspective. I went, okay, you know, I kind of get that. You know, I get that. Like, I've been I've been particular about stuff mm-hmm. to the point of distraction because I just don't want to – I don't want to – I. I Here's the thing, you know, and, and some of these filmmakers will remain, will remain nameless, but you can kind of, you know, mm-hmm. you can read the tea leaves and see what I'm talking about. There are certain directors that direct like big franchise type movies, kind of studio guys, mm-hmm. kind of children's stuff, whatever. And, and you know, and not children's <laughs> stuff, but they kind of family fair and they go all over the road and they're, but they, they know how to surf those breaks, dude. And they know how to, they know how to put those executives at ease. Yeah. But here's the thing about guys like that, man. I don't want your fucking movies. I love my movies. I want your money. That's what I want. I want your money because I don't want your movies. My movies are cool, right? Yeah. But that's the cost, dude. And that cost is I wish I had the acumen and the and the uh, the uh, insight to kind of figure those things out and not be a hard on where I've been a hard on in my in the past. And again, dude, like. Mm-hmm. I just tell people, it's like, listen, you want to see a little snapshot of the times in my life where I regretted something, not necessarily regretted it because I think it, it was a kind of a, it was kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, you know, I just say, just enter Joe Carnahan an email, you know, <laughs> look at the email I wrote to the head of MGM at the time yeah, because I wasn't going to move forward with my version of Death Wish. It's funny now and it, and it it's, it's anecdotal because people laugh at it. But I look back at that and go, 
you know, and, and, I, and I, only now, dude, in my 50s, do I say to myself, you know, not everybody needs to know what the fuck is on your mind at all times. That's not honesty. Yeah. That's stupidity. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's tactically flawed, that thinking, you know. And yeah. so I've, I've had to teach myself to shut the fuck up. And it's hard. Yeah, no, dude, I know, man. I, I totally know. And this is something that I what's because i've been directing music i did music videos for years for a lot of big acts and shit and and it's ego man and and this business is such a bipolar fucking abusive fucking business where right. you, you have to go through the process i was just talking about it on the last podcast you have to go through the process of being confident right and it's it's almost when you're when you're selling to money people and especially when you're selling to like a lot of executives because a lot of executives are still kind of bros. So like you have to be confident and almost at the point of arrogance. It's like you're at that point where it's like, no, I can fucking do that. And like, I can do all these really great things. And then you have to be able to check that ego instantly. As soon as it goes, when you're working with your team and you're working with your crew, and then you have to be able to check that ego when you're dealing with fucking the audience, you know, it's, it's, you have to have like two different personalities almost to be able to do this shit. Right. You do, dude. And I think, listen, let's be honest. Most executives, their job is to not lose that job. Yeah. Their job is not to advocate for some kind of brash, uh, uh, you know, never before seen, you know, bold <laughs> innovation in, uh, in in a screenplay or in a movie or in what have you. Though You know, they want like, I mean, listen, it's like I'd heard recently like the streamers used to be like, hey, give us what the studios aren't doing. Now the stream was like, give us exactly what the studios are doing. Of we course. want franchisable shit, right? We want we want to make a bunch of this kind of movie. And so you're you're seeing movies getting, you know, I think more and more, brother, <clears throat> you're gonna see these movies get squeezed out. I mean, like the Fablements, that's Steven Spielberg, man. By mm -hmm. the way, they should have marketed that movie to my mind. Like this is about Steven Spielberg, yeah. right? This is about his life. And 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 you know, what's that movie gonna get to? Maybe, I don't know, maybe 15 million? Yeah. Like, you know globally yeah you know that's that's absurd dude 30 years ago that thing would have would have would have done business right but <clears throat> we've so squeezed out um and i think james gray said this recently i thought it was brilliant what he was talking about about you got to make room for these small movies man you got to mm -hmm. you still have to provide for the venues to see these smaller movies and this is something i think the big studios should subsidize you know build listen operate them at a loss mm -hmm. set up little art house reviews that are really lovely and you know, in the shadow of whatever the Cinerama, you know, the, the, the big thing that you're going to be showing your, you know, all, all your big comic book theme, dinosaur theme, what have you themed <laughs> movies, <laughs> but allow for um, these other, which I think is, is, is very true. But I don't think the economics, dude, are ever going to are ever going to bear that out. And when you get a situation where Warner Brothers can simply say, yeah, we're not going to do the bad girl thing. It doesn't fit. Or Henry Cavill's not right for Superman anymore. Dude, you're dealing with bottom line. Yeah. You know, this is shareholder shit. This is, and this is where these 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 companies operate, and they're never going to be for all of our kind of gauzy, gilded viewpoints about what they should do. Yeah, all the kind, of, all the idealistic ways that we think they should operate, it ain't ever going to happen. And I'm not going to sit here and fucking fight City Hall to that end, you know, because it's a, it's a losing battle. It's a consistently losing battle. Um, yeah, and so you got to adapt, dude. You got to you got to adapt. And I don't want to be a guy that's like. Oh, I can't make movies anymore because I decided that it was going to be this way or no way. Fuck that, dude. Yeah. You know, no way. Yeah. It's like, I'm, I'm, by the grace of God, I'm still here and can still work. And so I'm, I'm very pleased by that. Well, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point, man. It's a good point. It's, it's, it's always been this fascinating battle. Fascinating. It's always been this frustrating battle 
between, you know, art and commerce. And then commerce is really one right now because everything is everything is owned by just giant like companies and, and yeah. uh, boardrooms. And so it's, it's, it's interesting because when you talk to fans and I've been talking to fucking thousands, hundreds and thousands of fans right now. And sure. you, you, when I go into pitch stuff with my guys, I'll walk into a space and they're, they're like, ah, what are the comps for this? And I'm like, well, this is like the thing. And this is like alien. And this is like this. And they're like, well, no one wants to watch the fucking thing. And I'm like, where are you getting your stats, bro? Like, what they you? don't? Right. I mean, what? <laughs> I have fucking, I have the, the hundreds and thousands of, of comments from people going, what is my favorite films? It's consistently. The Thing, yeah. The Shining, and then yep. whatever is marketed to them right now. That's the yeah. consistency of all of it. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's, exactly. And I think that that, where these movies kind of, you know, can break through, and even do, even something like Barbarian, which I thought was three quarters of a great movie mm -hmm. until the end mm -hmm. where I just went, oh, what the fuck, you know? Yeah. But it, but I still enjoyed it. Right. Um, they, that marketing was, and you realize, dude, that's 90% of these, the way these movies function is marketing. Yes. How smile, you know, like how did it get out there and how did it break through the kind of the, you know, the, the morass of a big studio, you know, and, and horror is always that genre. I mean, dude, I've had this script, uh, my buddy, Mike McGrail wrote this great script called graves. And it was, it's basically, if you took Serpico and Poltergeist, dude, right? It's that. Cool. I think it's fucking dynamite. Cool. When I tell you, Mike, I can't get anyone to snip this thing. It's like, well, it's a police horror film. I'm like, it's not a police horror film, guys. It happens to have a cop in it. Yeah. But it's a fucking, it's a story about a guy like hunting for his the, the killer of his murdered daughter. You know, it's like that's the and it's and it's got it's got supernatural elements to it. But it's like, <clears throat> and it's a nothing movie to shoot. You can make it for fucking five million bucks. And it's yeah. like because it doesn't, again, dude, it doesn't. And this is why, like, again, I'll give Lionsgate a tremendous amount of credit for taking a swing on Shadow Force, which is not based on a pre-existing IP. Mm -hmm. which, <coughs> excuse me. Not. Oh, God, I'm dying of this cough. <laughs> oh, there we go. There uh, not based on a comic book. Not based on, you know, it, it, it takes balls and, and foresight to do that. But it's rare, brother, because they, they do. They want the... Everybody wants a bag of Doritos and a, and a Coca-Cola, you know, mm -hmm. it's like that's mm -hmm. because everybody, no matter where the fuck you are, uh, in the, for the far reaches of the world, you hand somebody a bag of Doritos and a Coke, they know exactly what the fuck to do with it. You know what I mean? It's like, and it, and it provides that immediate familiarity and that immediate comfort. And that's really important right now. And like I said, when you see the shakeups that are taking place and, and again, <clears throat> you know, like. I hope that we haven't lost James Gunn because I love him as a filmmaker to the executive ranks. I don't think we have. No. But yeah. I think it's a really daring move. And I hope it pays great dividends because I but I understand, dude, from a corporate standpoint, we gotta compete with Marvel. Marvel has done it. Kevin Feige and Marvel have done it as brilliantly as anybody's ever done it. That's mm -hmm. my I, I I equate that to kind of like the way Pixar does their thing, right? They've they've whether you like them or not, they rarely make a boring film they rarely and i thought the last i thought endgame was dynamite i just did yeah and yeah. i was with joe and anthony and but but i thought that they did a hell of a job and i think that marvel machine um services a tremendous amount of population now do, is the risk that we're going to lose it to, to all that to all those movies uh are we sure. if we seeded enough ground now that we there's no going back i don't know yeah but i see why dc would be hey listen we gotta we gotta we gotta move and groove here man you know we need we need those numbers um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, told- I, I was I was kind of relieved. I mean, sure, it's based on another fucking franchise, but I was kind of relieved that Top Gun did so fucking well, you know, because maybe too, maybe that Me helps. Too. Maybe that helps. We go back to action with stars in the lead, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, I think because of the photography and because the way it was shot, because of the way it was, you know, just reading about Nolan, you know, that, that they've somehow created, the, uh, you know, the nuclear test, the same explosive. Uh, that's fascinating to me. Yeah. But – Again, is do people want to see um, a movie about Robert Oppenheimer? I don't know. Do they want to? Are they going to flood to the cinemas to see that movie, which looks very thoughtful? And 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 I don't know how you how you make. And maybe it is, dude. Maybe this. Maybe you made an action movie out of the, you know, the creation of the first atomic bomb. I don't know. But but I but I think when those things can still exist, right? When you still got people out there, when you still got Jim Cameron, whether you like Avatar or not, man, that's a fucking that's his IP, dude. I'm he pumped. Came he invented it. Yeah. It's probably going to be the most popular movie in history in about in about two months. So, you know, it's like, you, you know, I, I hopefully there is room for those guys and there is room for uh, the continued kind of expansion of, of those. And like, listen, you know, as big a Star Wars fan as I am, I think the, the thing that, that that entire thing misses more than anything is the old man. You, you don't have George. You yeah. don't have George. I, I think I think Dave Filoni is phenomenal. Yeah, and he's kind of been, he's kind of been anointed, which I think is is absolutely uh, appreciable. And and, if, and he, if anybody, it should be that guy. Yep. Uh, but I think you also, you know, you're you. I think that's why the shows Mandalorian and these other shows have kind of fared a bit better because I think they've had they've been more under the influence of George and vis to be Dave Filoni, who I think has a tremendous amount of respect for. You know the master, you know the creator. Well, I, um, I would, I would springboard off that a bit, dude. I think it's also, Filoni's got a voice, like he's got, he a, he's got a fucking voice, and he's got a voice that seems to be cutting through the corporate shit, which, which yeah. is, which is great. And I mean, the same thing with James Gunn. James Gunn had a yeah. fucking voice, and John Favreau had a fucking voice, and it's, right. it's so funny that uh, you know these big giant corporate structures. You almost feel like they take a chance and they accidentally stumble on this thing, and then they go, "Oh fuck, that's the tempo." Okay, so now everybody do James Gunn shit. Everybody bring in fucking uh, music tracks, and so you—it's it, like when you have the outliers in the music world, right? So you have like Metallica release fucking "Ride the Lightning." Then after right. that, you have the labels going like, "We got to find all these fucking "Ride the Lightning." So then there's like tons and tons of people to, like attempting yeah, to do see. that thrash, but it's not. Yeah, yeah, they're easy. They chase what they think is the thing, not realizing that you could create the thing if you just stick to your guns. And like you said, you know, yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you know that, that those individual voices ultimately are gonna are gonna punch through. And it's like you can't, you know, no one ever cooked by committee and, and made a dish that was worth a shit. You know, they just didn't. Um, <laughs> it's very true. You know what I mean? It's very true. So, and so, um, you know, you're you're left with. Um, you know, you, you kind of, you know, keep your fingers crossed that again, that these, that th- those voices will always be emergent in those and that you'll, you know, I want to see, I'm a big Damien Chazelle fan. I want to see, I'm looking really forward to Babylon. I'm looking forward yes, to like, yes. I asked if you want to move, like there's younger filmmakers that to me are very exciting. Um, and I think, can they, you know, but again, you're one, you're one, you know, uh, trip up removed from, you know, it's like, I'll never forget. I saw, uh, I'm friends with David O. Russell. I love David. He's just a good dude and crazy, but lovely. Mm-hmm. And I remember, um, and I'm sure, I'm sure it's, it's I'm sure it's the case now with with Amsterdam. But I remember after after he did Joy, I saw him at this at this party, and I said, "Well, dude, so what are you doing, man?" He goes, "Bro, I'm paddling back out." 
paddling back out. You know what I mean? It's like that was, you know what I mean? It's like he got dumped and he gets back on the board and he fucking paddles back out to try to catch another one. You know, it's like that's, you know, this is a guy that's had tremendous success, but he still views it again in the most kind of binary way. It's like, okay, well, then I still got to go out and, and, and do my thing. Um, well, I mean, and again, at the end of the day, dude, after we finish any project, we're fucking fired, right? <laughs> at the end, like we're unemployed, you know? Not a job. Yeah, man. It's like, and I, and I think my, you know, my whole thing has always been like, listen, I don't, I, you know, I, I have tremendous respect for my peers, man. I'm a fan of, of everybody. I really am, you mm-hmm. know? And, and so, you know, I always, my, my philosophy is always like, listen, but by the same token that I, that I have great admiration for, for my, for the, every other filmmaker, it's like, um, I still will run anybody's race anywhere, anytime. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like mm-hmm. put me in the blocks, I'll run anybody's race. And and my feeling is like, listen, no matter what, this is the way I look at things. No matter what, you're going to have to fuck with me. You're going to have to fuck with me. Yeah. I'm going to be there. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be there. It's like, you know, it's like, I'm, I'm like the Paul Gleason character in, uh, in breakfast club. You know, it's like, <laughs> you forgot about the fucking, you know, you, I'm going to be there. I'm going to kick the living shit out of you. I'm going to be there. I'm going to fight. You know what I mean? It's like, doesn't I'm not to say I'm better than anybody. Not to say I'm this, that, the other thing. Not to I'm never going to down even directors and filmmakers. I'm not fond of. You'll never hear me say an unkind word about those guys. Sure, because I believe in that. I believe in that. In that, whatever kind of telemetry that creates, it's like it's bad. It's bad mojo to start ripping on other people. I don't like this. I don't like that. You know, because I can always find a quality. Yeah, uh, admirable. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless, and I think that's the key, dude. Is you have to hold yourself within a degree of humility, but also understand that that comment's like, I don't, by the same token, oh no, man, you know, hand me a couple of battle axes and, and, uh, and I'll go in. You know what I mean? Like, I'm good. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. I did. I completely, I, and there's, I, like I said, we were saying earlier, like if, if, it's a miracle for a fucking shitty movie to be made and then it doesn't matter what movie I'm watching, I'm usually pulling something from it. You know, so yeah. it could be like what I assume to be, you know, the most boring thing possible um, but there's always a scene, there's always a moment, there's always a little bit where I'm like, ah, oh, that's fucking cool. Like, that's cool right there. Always, always. Totally, always, totally. Man. Yeah. totally. Like, dude, like, uh, I watched uh, uh, Denny Villeneuve, I watched Maelstrom, which Ooh. is like from 2000. Yeah, yeah. Fucking crazy dying fish narrating this goddamn weird <laughs> movie. And you're like, you look at it going, okay, I so, I so see, you know, I so see like, City Lost Children, and I see yeah. uh, Greenaway. I see Greenaway in that movie, and that in those kind of flashbacks. I see his influences, right? Yeah, and yeah, it's fucking super cool. I'm like, the guy's using a goddamn like a like a like a whatever the fucking like a giant catfish talking, just popping a chop in half. It's bizarre, but it's like, but dude, there was stuff in there that I just loved. I thought, oh, that's so cool, man. Yeah, to do, you know, some of his composition, like, and again, nothing like. What he did in like Polytechnique, which is fucking brutal. Uh-huh. Nothing like he did in, in Arrival or what he did in Sicario. It's like that guy's an, an unbelievably versatile mm-hmm. filmmaker. Mm-hmm. And, I'm, and it's like, it, but by the same token, dude, I didn't really care that much for Dune. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I appreciated its its scope. And pff, a buddy of mine saw an IMAX. He goes, dude, the, the thing with the worm in IMAX is so fucking unbelievable. I go, I, I, I'm sure I get that, right? Sure. But I also have to be moved by something that I can watch in a fucking 12 inch screen. You know what I mean? It's like, yet you still have to, to me, it's like, yes, there's, there's an experiential quality. Absolutely, man. Sure. But then with the, the dramaturgy or whatever the hell it is still has to work in the smallest form. Like, dude, I watched the fucking trailer for the, for the, for like the whale 
and I was crying. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> on my phone, right? On my phone. So, so you know, I don't think, I think that, um, you know, you, you, but, but again, going back to like, like Denny, I think that guy's just a, just a rare bird and that he's able to, he's able to take on any number of, it's insane. you know, yeah. without, and again, brother, without, without kind of succumbing to, and I guess, listen, I guess you could say Dune is still a gigantic sci-fi franchise and as was Blade Runner and so on and so forth. But like, I think that, you know, you hopefully have a guy like that, like with, with Inarichi just did with Bardo. It's like, you just go off the rails a bit, right? Yeah. You just go over here because I'm sure that the temptation is, you know, and, and I, I think that's the true artist. It's like, yeah, yeah, guys, I just, I want to go fuck with this for a while and, and be, and you know what I mean? And like, yeah, yeah. It's, well, dude, I mean, well, that's what yeah. you're. At least that's what I'm looking for as a director. Consistent. Like, if I'm if I'm putting together, I just shot something two weeks ago, and it was a short that I did, and and um, I just hadn't shot in a while because of COVID and everything, and so I was like, "Fuck this, I got to make something." So I I put this thing together, and when I plan something out, I, I see things. You know, I love big movies, as you can tell. And so when I, when I plan things out, I plan them out that way. And if I'm planning out sequences, I'm like, okay, here's how I would do the sequence. And this is what this means. But then when I get on set, like you find something and you're like, this is going to be fucking weird. And, and, and I mean, I'm talking about something that no one's seen yet, but there's a moment when we're shooting and we're messing with this light. And I have this new light that's got this ability to aperture down and it's almost like a spotlight. And we're just. Mike, can, you can you hold two seconds? Somebody's at my front door. Hang on. Man. Sure, sure, of course. Oh shit! Come on in, brother. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on in, brother. Just snap back bedroom. Okay. <laughs> that's the cable that right there, dude. So knock yourself out. Thank you. <clears throat> Thanks, bro. Sorry, brother. I, I had a I had a avid in my home oh, cutting shadow wow. oh, wow. force and. Uh, I, dude, I say it like it's like I'm like I'm elegant about the process. I'm not I'm fucking. I'm like a caveman. I'm an idiot when it comes to. But I, Kevin Hale, who's my who's, who's who's editing this movie, who I've known for 27 years. We started in television together. Um, he's such a fucking deeply talented guy. And I feel bad sometimes. I'm like, dude, just let me do my dummy shit with the footage. <laughs> you know, and, uh, you know. And he always gives me the space to kind of just go find stuff that's like, Oh, did you see this? Did you see that? You know, he, he, he humors me, but anyway, they're, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're taking it out. So anyway, sorry, brother, I was interrupting your story, but continue. No, it's all good, man. It's all good. So what I was saying is that I was on set and I, we were messing with this new light that has this ability to iris down and, you know, it's a very small team. I've, I'm, I'm shooting it. I'm helping lighting and I'm directing, I'm doing too much. And so I played with this light and I go, that's fucking rad. And this is a sequence where this guy goes into sort of this meditation sequence and none of this was planned. And I look at it and I go, wouldn't it be fucking cool if we did a light gag here and we did this bit where we get real fucking trippy and we just get lost in it. And I know that when the piece is done, people are going to go, that part was fucking weird. And that part was cool. And it was just the, having the ability to, to recognize that on set and not be afraid to go off the fucking rails with that. And I often wonder when you're doing these giant movies, if, you, if you're allowed to do that, if you're allowed to just be like, look, I know we boarded for fucking three weeks on this sequence, but fuck that. Like, here's this really cool fucking thing that we're discovering. Can we do right. this? You know? Right. No, I think, it gets, I, get that. I think it's tougher to do that, bro. I think it gets like, I mean, listen, I thought the biggest thing I've ever done budget-wise is the A-team. And yeah. I felt like Tom Roth and God bless him gave me a lot of rope to hang myself, you know, but he also <laughs> let me, I improv a lot, you know, we, especially the actors, we throw things in there, they do them. It's like, there wasn't, 
there was, of course, there's an adherence to, guys, we need to nail this sequence, we need it to be this or that or what have you, but like there was also a, a great sense of, and I don't think that's the case with, with, with everybody. I think, you know, I have a relationship with Tom that I think is really unique and that he, even on Bad Boys, it's like he, we, he let, even in the script phase, he kind of let a lot of things, d- you know, develop and evolve, but I feel like it's probably not the case on these larger things, but also th- think about Mike, you're shooting with a camera, maybe two cameras. These guys are shooting with 12, 13, yeah. 14. Yeah. You're covering fucking everything. So yeah. when you're in the cutting room, they're not lacking for anything because they've so overcovered yeah. the shit yeah. that, that I don't know that like, like dude, even <clears throat> watching your movie, it's like all those amazing shots of what looked like, like a nervous system or like bloodstream. And then you'd see the black start to leak in. I'm like, how the fuck did he do that, man? It's like, there's this great, there's, it felt like great experimentation. And I said to you, it's like, it felt like that's what kind of what Prometheus wanted to be. Right. This idea of, of, you know, this infection that evil is this, is this, is he kind of the, the root cause of this, of, of this infection. And it's like, but I'm looking at some of that stuff going, this is fucking dynamite, man. This is like, you know, Terry Malick shit. I can, it's, you know. I can tell you, dude, the, the, the short story of it is um, I knew that I didn't have money. So there's a couple things that you'd find fascinating. I knew that I wasn't going to have the kind of money to do CGI. And if you got shitty CGI, there's no accidents. Shitty CGI just looks like shit consistently. Yes, like, it does. It does. Yeah. And, and from my years of being a cinematographer, I know that as long as I've got light and glass, I can find things accidentally. So I was like, I need to have some, this fluid. I, I want to have a fluid that I could practically shoot and that I could puppeteer. And so right. I, I did the research and I was digging around and I found uh, ferrofluid, which is a magnetic fluid. It's full of metal. So like you can actually puppeteer it with magnets. That's crazy. And so brother, that, jumping, that jumping thing, that, the, the, the black, I thought that can't be CG. It looks too good. Dude, it's, like, all, it looks, it's all in camera, dude. And so wow. I did the research online and I was like, well, how difficult is this stuff? Fucking toxic, you know? And so I was doing this research and I found this amazing photographer. His name is Lyndon Gledhill. And he shoots this beautiful stuff like spikes and all this really great, beautiful shit, rainbow colors. And so I wrote to him. This is before I had a script. And I wrote to him and I said, uh, hey, man, I'm thinking about shooting this thing. And, you know, how hard is this fucking shit to work with? And he goes, well, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I could send you the outline of what I'm doing. And I just sort of passively sent it to him. And I was like, hey, here's a bunch of questions. He wrote back to me. He goes, I'll do it. And I go, you'll do what? <laughs> and he goes, I want to do the movie. And I go, oh, I wasn't. All right. And he goes, yeah, just come to my house. He's like, I'm in Pennsylvania. So he was in Amish country, Pennsylvania. Jesus Christ. And I was in Boston. And so he goes, uh, just come to my house and we'll shoot stuff. And I went, okay. And so I get in the car. I plan it all out. I get in the car and I'm driving with my assistant who I had for years. And we're driving out there. And he goes, does it ever fucking occur to you that this guy can be a fucking serial killer? <laughs> <laughs> he's like you just the, you go to the lion's den you know like, he's like like i'm wayne gacy yeah exactly he's like we oh, all, yeah. i used to live in a farmhouse in the middle of nowhere so, yeah. <laughs> so he's like you know he's just you know he's you just talked to him on fucking line so we get there this guy's a biochemist right and so he's got all these microscopes set up and he built all these like little rigs with magnets and uh we shot everything on like all that really, really tight stuff on sets that were the size of a dime. So it's a surface wow. of a dime and we were shooting them through microscopes. And then 
there were bits and pieces where I'm puppeteering it. And I, I had my production designer with me and I go, you know, it'd be fucking rad. I think we should do this shot where if, if you can get me a, a brain, if you get me like a sheep's brain, we cut it in half and we'll put it in a tray and I'll put a tray full of this fluid next to it. And th now these magnets are so fucking powerful that if I put two of them next to each other in my hand in between, it'd crush my hand. Like they're super fucking wow. powerful. It's crazy, dude. It's, and so I said, let me just puppeteer this fluid. So we'll, we'll shoot down on this brain and then I'll puppeteer this fluid and it'll cover the brain and it'll go to black and it'll be a sweet transition. Maybe that'll be like a title transition. And he's like, yeah, okay. He goes and gets the brain, cuts it in half. I set up the tray and uh, I'm looking at the monitor. My eyes are on the monitor, which is above me. And I run the magnet under the table. And so we do the shot and I run the magnet and the fluid just disappears. And I'm looking at the fucking monitor going like, what the fuck's going on? And I look back and the fluid's gone. Like it's moved out of the tray into the tray with the brain. And I start moving the magnet and the brain starts moving. The brain absorbed all the fluid. Get out, dude. It was fucking wild. Get it was out. fucking wild. So I was able to puppeteer this half dead brain because the fluid was inside of it. Oh my God, dude. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And dude, I'll, t I'll let this out, man. We shot all the effects. I shot the effects for the movie before I shot the movie. Um, we did everything for all that beautiful shit that looks like it's amazing. 500 bucks. The whole fucking thing. Get the fuck out. See, brother, this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about. And I, and I thought some of those, that some of that imagery was so amazing. It's like. Thanks, man. It, I mean, brother, for fuck, get the fuck out. You should have lied. You just said 50 grand. I, I did. I said 50 grand. And <laughs> <laughs> fucking 50 grand instead of 500. Holy shit. But dude, to, again, brother, to the point, right? To the point that, that it doesn't, that this is what I'm talking about in the sense of that level of creativity will, 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 will supersede money. And, and overcome whatever those shortcomings may be. Cause we always had this idea, well, I don't have to, I just don't have the money. It's not the money. It's not the money. Yeah, but that's bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, but you have the, you have the means to do what you're talking about, which I just think is extraordinary, dude. You know, it's just extraordinary. Well, dude, I, like, and I don't want this to be about me, but I, I think some of this is relevant. I think at the end of the day, and I think you can agree with me on this, it's almost harder to make a shitty movie. It, like as long as you do your fucking prep and prep yeah. is prep is free. Yeah. So, so as long as you do your months of fucking prep and you think about it and you have time to fucking process it, like here's another great example. We had to build, so we shot 12 cam in Boston, in a small town outside of Boston. So it's unbelievable. It was in Franklin, Massachusetts. Any of those guys, were those guys Russian speakers? Yes. Yes. Okay. That's a whole other conversation. So we we shot this thing in a small town outside of Boston, and I had access. I knew this guy that had this giant warehouse, old school mill warehouse that he was going to tear down. And I went to him and he's like, dude, I would love to help you. The place is going to get torn down in 30 days. You have the space for 30 days to do whatever you want with. And so I was like, oh, fuck. You know, that, so it was like, okay, cool. And this is when I was just sort of doing a preliminary sort of search around going like, can I even fucking do it? Where the fuck am I going to do like a drill site? And so he's like, you could do this thing for 30 days. So I got this... Uh, from years of doing commercials and music videos, I knew this really great team of people that were working on surrogates. Remember the Bruce Willis movie? So they were working on surrogates during the day. Oh, yeah. And they were moonlighting for me at night. And 
the production designer, I was running around grabbing shit in um, Franklin, small town, backwoods fucking town, right? And so the production designer calls me up and he goes, uh, dude, you don't have the money for the fucking lumber to build this shit. And I go, what do you mean I don't have the money for the lumber to build this shit? He goes, you just don't. You don't have the money for it. And I go, give me fucking 10 minutes. And so I hang up the phone. And I, when I, wherever I was, I remember I, dr- I drove by this old lumber yard, right? And so I, I backpedaled, drive to this lumber yard, which looks like it comes out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, right? Like there's fucking saloon push doors that you have to go through to get into this spot. So I walk into this place and there's this like horseshoe counter with some like big overweight Texas Chainsaw looking dudes with overalls on, you know, and they're all there. And I walk in and because we're shooting outside of LA, because we're shooting in a small town, I walk in there and the guy's like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you just see all those big trucks and shit? I'm doing a movie. And the guys go, what? And I go, yeah, I'm doing a fucking movie. And they go, that's fucking cool. I go, yeah. And I turn to him and I go, is there any world in which you've got like a big old pile of fucking rotted, fucking weathered fucking lumber that's in your yard? And the guy goes, yeah. And he walks me out and it shows me this awesome pile of lumber. And it's like, it's already aged, right? You don't have to do any weathering on it. And I turn to him and I go, well, what do you want for that whole fucking pile? And he goes, I'll tell you what, you get rid of it when you're done, you can take it for free. Holy shit. So I called the production designer and I was like, you got your fucking lumber. Go get it. Wow. And wow. It's prep, mm-hmm. dude. It was because I had that 30 days of prep. It, it was because I wasn't freaking the fuck out. And I was like, no, no, no. We, there's a hundred reasons how we can make this shit work. And if that's your mentality, then your stuff can be that high quality when you're just doing indie stuff. If you give yourself time and you you allow yourself that fucking prep, then right. you're in, dude. You know? And I also brother, there's that degree of also of innovation, right? You're you're you know, you're commitment to kind of like listen i'm just not gonna do this one i don't have the money to do it cgi and two i don't think it's gonna be yeah. as good and by the way dude you're right like even brother even that shot with it with the with the guy with the with the with it on the glasses like the fucking like that stuff animated office i'm like jesus christ man like that can't be digital like no. it can't be like that's amazing brother. like it's it, but i also think it's like again that you know, we've forgotten. It's like my buddy who's a, now directing television, but he was he was my stunt coordinator for years. Ben Bray said, "You know, the sad thing is about these stunts now is that you have some of the safest, most lightweight equipment. You can do all these amazing gags because it's 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 ten times as safe, ten times as you know, and they don't want to do it anymore because it's just let's CGI it. Let's just CGI that. You know, uh, see, but there's also and, something missing from that, man. Like." What was the show I just watched? The one with um, oh, my brain isn't functioning right now. Fucking um, the, uh, Big Lebowski, the dude from Big Lebowski. Oh um, oh oh, um, uh, Jeff Bridges, uh, the old the old guy is the old man. Yeah, the fucking yeah. fight scenes that happen in like the second episode or third episode in the car that are just so small and intimate and right. vicious, right. and you're like, yeah. fuck, you feel yeah, you get you get away from that shit because you're just like. You know, it's like, again, it's easier to do it this way. You know, it's easier to kind of, uh, to not have that, uh, um, to, again, to not deal with it. That's what it comes down to. You're just not dealing with the moment. And that's, and that's what uh, I think is, is, uh, is unfortunate, you know, because you're going to pay for it one way or the other. (laughs) Why not plan and do it right? Um, Right. but that's not the way that the studios tend to think, brother. They tend to think in in a, there's an immediacy. And there's a day to day, and the longer game, 
Um, and, and I get it, man. You're, you know, whatever you got X amount of movies, you're, you're trying to put out multiple fires across a whole slate of shit. So, but it, but it, it is and remains an imperfect process. Uh, the way that we approach those things. But there's something to be said, I think, with you doing that early on with NARC and you grabbing that camera and 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 running and, and having that kinetic energy, that kinetic en- energy has like translated through you. I mean, look at fucking, uh, uh, look at Smoking Aces, man. Right. Like that right. kinetic energy is the first thing that I would define you as. I mean, besides like really well-written scripts and like really funny sort of ballsy testosterone-filled sequences i i feel like more than anything your stuff is just injected turbo injected with fucking kinetic like kinetic energy dude right no i think that dude i i think that that might be i mean the first so funny dude i just kind of last year uh spent like uh, dude i have x amount of fucking months as we were cutting this other film restoring my very first movie which is a movie called blood guts bullets and octane right made it for like eight grand it got me to sundance and so cool and I thought, shit, man, I just went through, dude, and I think they were like, I went through every reel and like on Frame.io, which I don't know if you ever used this, brother, mm-hmm. this is it's amazing because you could just go on there and, you know, it's, 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 like a, it's like an annotate thing. You just circle. There's a piece of dirt. There's a piece of dirt. And I had these guys clean the whole fucking thing up for me. And then Craig Mann, <laughs> the sound mixer who I just love, he did everything in like 7-1. I'm like, bro, this is crazy. I'm never going to show this thing in 7-1, you know, but like <laughs> but, but, but dude, to see that fucking thing. And I realized at the time. I, I, my, my philosophy on making that movie, cause we were all amateurs and it was like a student film was like, listen, shit ceases to be shitty if it's moving fast enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like yep. if yep. you escapes the, the scrutiny of the eye and you don't linger on shit. Um, and so, and I think at the time, because again, dude, at the time, nobody could make any kind of crime film or crime related movie without immediately drawing the Tarantino comparison. Sure. <clears throat> Which that movie was never really influenced. That movie was really the Coen brothers and and elmore leonard and 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 it had and like used cars like like bob zemeckis like that was where that was where that 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 movie came from but this the the kind of the cross-cutting was it was like a jfk thing okay fuck man stone did this really beautifully in jfk i can get away with it because you know it'll it'll just kind of it'll be this pastiche and i think that that sensibility maybe up until the gray right where i deliberately tried to slow stuff down Oh, um, but dude, that was what was, was again, dude, was it was a kind of an abiding uh, creative, you know, uh, pervasion that was always there. It's like, ah, I just got to let's let's speed this up. Um, and, and so and it's funny, dude, to, to complete to complete, complete digression. And yet on topic is I just watched for like the first time in like 25 years the other night, uh, His Girl Friday. And, and dude, I, I found it at, at a point insufferable to watch. It was fucking painful. <laughs> it was though Howard Hawks took like fistfuls of cocaine and threw them <laughs> in fucking Cary Grant's face <laughs> and Rosalind Russell's face and everybody else in that cast. And I was like, I can't, I was getting a fucking headache, you know? And it was, and it was, in, it was unbearable. You know? It really was, dude. It was fucking unbearable. And so, yeah, so, and this is considered a classic, but, but I, I would, yeah, maybe, uh, yeah. it's, but it's 82 years old, man. There's just some shit in that movie that don't work no more. You know, uh, but, but again, dude, I think you can be too quippy and clever and too fast yeah. uh, for your own good. It's like, it's funny, dude. Like, like you look at, you know, 
Michael Bay and Boz Lerman, and they wouldn't necessarily draw the same comparisons. <laughs> but I do. Boz Lerman are the cuts just as much as Michael <laughs> yeah, Bay does. Dude, 100%. Right? right? 100%. But, but and again, like, I, I, I just loved Elvis because I, I wasn't expecting it, and I thought that fucking kid Austin Butler was just lights out. And it just shows you how brilliant an actor Tom Hanks is because I fucking hated him. Yeah. I hated him in that movie, right? Yeah, yes. Boz Lerman cuts just as fast, right? So – it's, there's a methodology. And why is the belief system in one way skewed to go, well, it's Boss Lerman, you know, uh, versus Michael Bay. So it's like, for, for, again, and but that kineticism, like, you know, dude, you know, Ambulance is just an absolute fucking freak show of a movie, yeah. right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> dude, when they're operating in that goddamn ambulance, I'm in, man, right? It's like, it's riveting. Dude, I've been, say, I've been saying this since the beginning, and I've been trying – because we ended up pitching to his company. I've been trying to get him on the show, and I know he reads my comments. I think he's worried that I'm going to talk shit. I fucking love Michael Bay, and I love his... Uh, I think his compositions are, like, glorious. And I think his stuff is beautiful, and, yeah, he, he may overcut a lot of different things, but he's got a fucking formula that works internationally. Well, let me say something. Anybody, anybody that, that, that trash talks Michael Bay, I can watch 10 seconds of his shit and go, that's Michael Bay. Yeah, that, that has to, Dude, that has to mean something that's got to have the stature of something you know and dude listen like i said I, like brother the guy's doing fucking drone shots flying right up to the fucking city hall and then down again i'm like this motherfucker's out of his mind right? but he's going for it he's going for it right it's like he's going for it you whether you like it or dislike it the fucking guy is leaning out and going for it right yeah, so yeah, yes yes so again, brother that i think some parts of these are are some parts of these discussions again are like I like that sense of kinetic, you know, I like the sense of movement. I don't like to, you know, to, 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 but by the same token, it's like when you can slow it down, like, dude, you know, like, uh, my ex-wife would always say, which is probably why she's my ex-wife. She's like, uh, I like your dramas. I don't like your comedies. I like your dramas. Right. It's like, funny. I made two of them. Like I made narc and the gray. Like those are my dramas, but I understand. Like, it's like, I love the other ones, bro. I love fucking Stretch is one of my favorite movies that no one's ever fucking seen. I've seen it. It's great, like, man. It's a great oh, movie. Dude, it's a blast. And then working with Patty Wilson, who I think is one of the most talented motherfuckers walking, you know, yeah. uh, in this business. And so, but, but dude, I think that that, that, that where, where, where I thought, brother, in your film, you had this great, <clears throat> it's that great suspense building. It's that great sense of timing and the, in the graduation of these moments from one to the other. Thanks, man. Until it's, until it's truly, until they fucking turn that fucking speaker on, you're like, holy shit, man. You know, it's like <laughs> that takes, dude, that takes a degree of patience and trust and confidence that I think is hard to come by because I, and again, dude, I think it's that constant, <clears throat> everybody's got the studio in their back. I, I got a buddy of mine right now who, you know, is a, who's a pretty well-known filmmaker dealing with the situation. Mm-hmm. He made a horror film for, for a studio in town and they've completely taken it from him and yeah. they've, oh. they've taken what he, what, 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 what was Rosemary's baby and turned it into scream. You oh. know what I mean? Like, oh. Oh. Right. So, so he's, he's having to kind of comport himself in a way that, you know, that, uh, I, I counsel him because I went through it recently. Um, uh, a situation where, you know, um, I wanted to, I wanted my name off a movie mm-hmm. and, and and so he's kind of dealing with that same thing, but but the, but the pain, dude, that that you often encounter because there's that faster is better mentality, um, and it and it, it, dude, it pervades the studio system. Speed it up, speed it up, speed it up. Which I'm I'm all for it, man. Listen, if I can make every movie in 90 minutes, brother, I think a 90 95 minute movie yes. is kind of perfect. Yes, right. Yes, some films 
resist being, you know, 90 minutes, 95 minutes. I could, I could, I could think of some movies in the, in the not too distant past here that I go, you could have taken 35 minutes out of that motherfucker. No problemo. Right. <laughs> yeah. but I get, I get that, that, you know, uh, I know what was end game was two hours. Before. I didn't, I enjoyed every goddamn frame of that. Yeah. Certain movies, um, you know, uh, last, I, I love me some Chris Nolan, dude. I could have taken 30 minutes out of tenant. No problem. You know, like, <laughs> but it's Chris Nolan. Sure. Right, it's Chris sure. Nolan. Sure. So you sure. know you, he that that that's understandable. That's a guy whose shit you want to as a grandiosity about it and a scale and a presence, and you want that you know experience. And and thank God. Um, but I can look at it just objectively and go, ah, you don't need that. Get rid of it. Get rid of this. Go, go, go. You know. Sure, sure, hundred um, percent. Yeah, you know, I was, my long-winded fucking. Uh, you you paid me this lovely compliment, and I just talked for fucking twenty minutes. <laughs> That's why you're here, dude. It's a fucking podcast, Joe. <laughs> That's what we do. <laughs> God, impolite, my mother be like, let that poor man talk. <laughs> Let's take a break from this epic conversation because I want to talk about my friends. I want to talk about the people that support the show. I want to be talking about the sponsors. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about contest giveaways. This is your chance. If for those of you who are young filmmakers that want to get nerdy and you're like, Mike, what are you using? What are you shooting with? How does, what kind of gear do I have to get? What kind of camera settings do I have to make my stuff look like a Joe Carnahan movie? Eh, I can't promise I'll tell you all that stuff, but I can tell you what I use. And then you can decide if you want to get it or not. And I'll tell you this, you don't have to buy any of this stuff that I'm, that I'm, that I'm selling you. You don't. I know you're going to want to. I know that this is stuff that I use. So if you guys are trying to replicate my thing or you guys want to understand how I use stuff, this is the stuff. And I try to be as honest about it as possible. I approach these companies. I approach them. And I convince them to be a part of this show because I like their stuff. I use their stuff. I like the way their business is run. I like their customer service. All important things. So know that when I have sponsors on this show, I am definitely hunting them down. All right? First up, they've signed on for next year. These guys have been with me since the beginning. If you're in the marketplace to build a new PC, if you want to be cutting, you need a new edit machine, you, you got stuff that you got to do for post-production, VFX. Maybe you're an engineer. You got to do some CAD stuff, simulation work. Uh, maybe you're building an AI machine. Build yourself a PC. You'll save money. You'll be able to specifically build it with the hardware you need at competitive fucking prices. This is what's so great about building a PC is that you're going to an open market with competitive pricing on it. And the newest piece on the market drops in value instantly. It's not being controlled by a giant company that only builds specific things and has deals with specific manufacturers, which then keeps the prices high. You know what I mean? Puget Systems is the company that I found when I decided that I was going to jump ship from Apple. I'll say them. I don't care. Apple. Jump ship as soon as they stopped supporting me as a filmmaker. As soon as they started playing games with updates software updates and suddenly my hardware is rendered useless giant thousands of dollars worth of equipment that i'm now supposed to throw in the fucking trash because of a software update no so i decided to jump ship build myself a pc and i didn't want to be the guy building the pcs because i was running a post-production company at the time and my job is creative i don't want to be customer support 
So I needed to find a company that was going to do it with solid customer support. I found Puget Systems. Go to PugetSystems.com right now. Here's what they say on their homepage. Computers should just work. At Puget Systems, we believe that computers should be a pleasure to purchase and own. They are 100% right about it. They should get your job done and not be a hindrance. Head on over there right now. If you don't know where to start, they can help. You can talk to an expert, get consultations immediately. You can browse by hardware. You can browse by software. These guys have done benchmark tests on hardware and software. So if you're building your own machine, they're a great fucking resource for you. They love the community. These guys are always at conventions. They're always at festivals. They're in different places, having beer, setting up things, meeting all these creators. They support me. I know they support the uh, Corridor guys. If you guys are Corridor Digital fans, they also sponsor them too. So head on over to PugetSystems.com or follow them on Instagram at Puget Systems and just text them and say, hey, thanks for supporting and love with the process. Thanks for being there for fucking years, man. Tell them. Happy holidays to those guys. I love all of you. Hope you guys have a great year and I hope you guys have an even better year next year and I can't wait to continue our sponsorship. Uh, also supporting the show are our friends over at Jambox, jambox.io. This is the place to go for licensed music. So if you're creating your own movie, let's say you're making your own short film and you want to put it up on YouTube, maybe you want to cast that out into the sea, that is YouTube. But YouTube keeps denying it. I don't know. Why can't it go up there? Uh, maybe it's because you put that fucking Jay-Z song in it, right? And you're like, hey, I wrote this whole script around this Jay-Z song without getting the rights for it. Not like you could afford it anyways. And then you design this whole edit. And you're like, ah, man, why can't I just put this up there? It's not how music works. Why not design a whole piece around a track that you can get your hands on for a good price, a decent price, a cheap price, really? Right? Go to jambox.io and just listen to the music that they have available. It is at that level. Their music is phenomenal. Fantastic. It's stuff that you would have on your Spotify playlist. I'm telling you. Just go listen to the music there right now. Let it inspire you. Go through the genres. Think about scenes that you can make with that kind of music. You know, think about how it'll make your podcast better. How many lame podcast music selections are out there? Go to Jambox right now. Sign up for a 30-day free trial on the Unlimited Creator Plan. And that gives you $9.99 a month. We'll give you access to all their music for social media, web streaming, podcasts, film festivals, etc. That's only $9.99 a month with a 30-day free trial. Do the math. Go there, get the free trial, get the music you need. You know what I mean? Sign up for that. Or you could do the commercial plan, which I do, is $19.99 a month. Gives you access to all that music plus the sound effects, and most importantly, the stems. So you can break songs down into individual stems, the beat, you know, the lead guitar, the singing, and then you can reconstruct those songs to fit your edit. No more having to tailor your edit to a track. It's epic. If you're a student, you get all that for six bucks. I'm telling you right now, go to jambox.io. It will change the way your work looks and feels. It will elevate you to get better clients. I'm telling you. Jambox.io. Sporting the show are our new friends over at Boca Rentals. All right. We're all excited. I know all of you listening to the show love visuals. There's a lot of cinematographers. Everybody's like getting crazy about 
how everything looks these days. And I, I'll admit it, man, we're in sort of a renaissance period for cinematography, right? Everything looks good. Even dog shit shows on TV look amazing. Amazing. Seems like producers have smartened up and they're dumping cash in the way things look. If you want your stuff to look like the stuff you see on Netflix, the stuff you see in the theater, why not rent from the places that provide that equipment to those people? I've said this since the beginning, instead of buying equipment, why not form a relationship with your local rental company? Right? Because then you have access to everything. Everything. You form a relationship, you find out how much it costs to rent things, it's super easy to do. Then you put it in your budgets and then you can get your hands on the same lenses that they shot the Joker with. Boca Rentals is the place to go. What I love about Boca is that not only on their website, BocaRentals.com, but also on their Instagram page, they will show examples of what stuff looks like shot through the lenses that they have in stock. So fucking useful for those of us that are planning something and you're like, I don't know, what lenses are the right lenses to use for this? And you can actually go see that. It's the shit, man. I love these guys. They're great. They're going to be with us this year. Uh, hopefully they're going to be doing some contests, maybe some giveaways. I'm excited to have Boca Rentals on as a, as a sponsor for the show. And I'm excited to be able to introduce those of you who don't know them. I know there's a lot of you who do, but check them out. Go to BocaRentals.com and be as impressed as I am with those guys. Finally, sponsoring the show and our contest giveaway is from the really awesome guys over at IndieProTools.com. I'm gonna go to their website right now. IndieProTools.com is the place to go for your power solution needs when it comes to powering your cameras or accessories. A lot of the new cameras on the marketplace have these tiny little batteries and some of the cameras don't even come with a charger. You have to plug the camera in itself to charge them. Strange, right? I was like, eh, don't want that. I actually wanna get uh, some gold mounts or some V-mount batteries stick it on a little camera plate on my little handheld rig, and I want that battery not only to power my camera, but also to power the monitor, the onboard monitor, the follow focus, everything. And I want those batteries to last a long time, and I want a sweet, high-powered charger that'll quickly charge them. So I never am making talent wait on camera. That's the worst, right? You finally get the actor in the right place. You finally talked about the motivation that they need to be in. Maybe you've given them the question that, that answers the entire bit for them. And they're like, I'm ready to go. And you go, all right, roll camera. And then the assistant camera goes, I'm sorry, the camera battery went down. You go, oh, fuck. All right, all right. And he's like, yeah, but it's underneath the, I have to take it off the cage. And you're like, why are we doing this? Can you please just get some batteries from Indie Pro, stick them on the back so that way you can quick release it, stick that other battery on, and we're ready to roll. We're ready to roll in under a minute under a minute. You know what I'm saying? So change up your setup today. Go to IndieProTools.com. And if you guys want to try to win a setup from Indie Pro Tools, let me tell you what the setup is. We are giving away a complete uh, battery package. So it is a V-mount battery and power kit that can be used no, nope, I'm sorry. That's not that. That was the, the old contest. <laughs> we already gave away one of those. Enter to win. Here's the new contest. Enter to win a 2X Micro Series V-mount uh, set of batteries and a charger. So some V-mount batteries and a charger. 
I think this goes for like 600 bucks normally. Uh, we're giving it away. You'll find the graphic on my Instagram page. I should, I should pin that higher. You'll find the graphic on my Instagram page uh, just right underneath it that you want to win this battery set. And then all you need to do is go to Indie Pro Tools Instagram page. Underneath any of their images, just write, thank you for supporting the podcast and tag me in it so I see you did it. And that will enter you in. I will, first week in January, I will randomly pick a winner and they will win the battery pack from Indie Pro Tools. All right, there you go. I think that's everybody. I wrote them all down. It's last episode of the year. I don't want to fuck this up. Puget Boca. Yeah, we're good, man. That's it. Let's get back into it with Joe. There's been this interesting experiment that I've been doing uh yeah. with uh 12 cam right and so people are giving me too much credit basically i think uh, and i was talking to my fucking therapist about this and i have a therapist because of the movie business so right. I, was, I was i was talking to my therapist about this the other day and i said she said so how did this whole thing start and i go well we finished 12 km in like 2000 the end of 2016 right wow and so this movie i was never going to drop to the public anyways uh when we got it done, immediately I got access to be able to show it to folks. I got representation. I went through the whole process and I said, all right, well, this is just going to go out to the industry. I won't go to the public. But this is a one of those things that I would talk about all the time on the podcast or on other podcasts, on guest shows, that kind of thing. And you know the deal. Like this business beats the fuck out of us. There's multiple movies that we've put together and they've fallen apart. And so I think I just sort of hit a point where I was in this, you know, just – bitter place and i was talking on the shows and and the and the hosts of the shows who had seen 12 cam and they'd be like well how can our audience see it and i was just like eh. you know if you write to me on instagram and send me your three favorite horror movies and if i agree with you yeah all right you know and i just assumed that that would be you know a couple hundred people whoever the fuck was listening to the show i didn't expect it to catch fire the way it did and i didn't expect the results of that to catch fire and the one thing that I'm learning is it's marketing 100%. And when I go back and I look at all of my favorite movies, and I go back and look at the movies of my childhood, and I sit there and I go, if E.T. was made today by a young filmmaker, and it was just dumped on Netflix or is dumped on YouTube, same fucking movie, would it still be a big success? Would it not have been right. a big success without the fucking Reese's Pieces commercial fucking right. crazy ads and build up for that right. thing? Like, would it still right. be as big? The great, the great Atari game. I mean, who could forget? That's <laughs> <laughs> a Atari game that wound up in a landfill in Arizona. <laughs> I mean, no, dude, that you're absolutely right, brother. And 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 I think that's also the way that you've marketed this, it, it's so, I mean, brother, like, I don't know if you've seen uh, Apollo 10 and a half Rick, Rick Linklater's film. No brother. They, when I tell you it's one of the best films I've seen in the last five years, really it completely vanished on Netflix. I mean, this is a guy who made some of my favorite, like days of confused and slacker. This is like, yeah. that guy's a fucking, that guy's a major filmmaker of the last, you know, and this movie that he made 
which is which is he does it in the cell kind of like the uh, scanner darkly that that same kind of animated fashion cool brother when i tell you i watched it three times it's so fucking funny and it reminds me of being a kid in the 70s you oh. know like my childhood nice and and it's like why is this you know it's like if you had told me mike that we'd have a year where bob zemeckis made a pinocchio movie with tom hanks that no one fucking saw i know i tell you well, you're nuts what are you talking about it's robert zemeckis you know it's like but this is where we are, dude. And some of this is like, <clears throat> is there anything that's going to be special anymore? And I think what you did brilliantly with your movie, dude, is you turned it into something special. And the fact you made it six years ago is immaterial because it's it's gorgeous. Thanks. And man. it looks like it was shot yesterday, right? Thanks. So dude. that to me is is the whole key. And, and dude, what's 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 interesting is what I'm really fascinated. What did it teach you specifically as a filmmaker? You know, what did it show you? Holy shit, man. There's a draw. Yeah. You created this kind of what you thought was kind of a novelty. Give me your three favorite horror films and maybe I'll send it to you. And fucking people went nuts. You know why, dude? Because you contextualize it in a very straightforward, simple way. Thanks, man. You know, like you didn't make them jump through hoops. You didn't make them write me an essay on, uh, you know, on, you, know you know what I mean? On the on the origins of horror and, and you know, how Brian De Palma differs from John Carter. <laughs> it's like, no, man, <clears throat> I like this, this, and this. Great. Here's a link. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. It's not dude, because you're asking – for people's participation and people want to give you their fucking opinion especially you know? in this genre like the horror yeah. fans and i'm i'm let me just say as you're listening to those of you listening this has been such an accidental thing and i fucking love it like i have absolutely loved interacting with each and every person and i've had people say to me like well why don't you just fucking put it online why don't you just do this i go this Picture this. This this is as if I'm putting on screenings in your town and I'm standing in the doorway and I'm asking who you are and I'm saying hello to you before I hand you a fucking ticket. That's essentially what this is. Amazing, and, and, it's it, amazing. Dude, I was doing a... It's the bespoke experience. It is. Yeah. Right? It, it really is. It works well, dude. It, and wow. I think the thing that's fascinating about it, to get back to my point, um, is that I have people clamoring to... <laughs> Young kids clamoring and asking me to watch a movie about a bunch of dudes in Russia speaking in Russian in a different yeah. fucking language because they want to be a part of this thing. And it's like, okay, so that throws out every fucking note I've ever had from studios where it's just like, you know, the difference is, is that you guys aren't willing to invest in clever, fun build up marketing anymore and it, it, it's because of that marketing that i love fucking die hard it's because of that marketing that i love fucking predator it's because yeah. of the you know the hype you need hype for this shit everybody wants to know what yeah. what, what the best restaurant is to go to everybody wants yeah. to know what to fucking watch and you just don't get that with the streamers because they don't hype anything no and by the way that's the thing i miss that you know i dude i, I remember being a kid I remember specifically having this. I think it was like watching like Battlestar Galactica, right? As a kid. Yeah. And seeing the first fucking alien teaser. That, <laughs> yeah, I love that. the living shit out of me. And then there's this fucking egg at the end, you know, like, like traveling over that fucking, it looked like clay kind of, you know, that whole field of like, oh, what in the fuck is that? So good. Right? It was it was terrifying to me, dude. And it was so and brother, it remains brilliant if you watch it now. Like every once in a while I'll watch the original teaser. That it's just that brilliant sound design. It's alarming as shit. I love it's, it. It's, 
alien shit. And you're like, man, I don't know what that is. It's fucking, I, I, but it's like, it's, and again, that idea, dude, of we can't show this fucking thing because it's a guy in a suit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So how do we now make this, you know, and dude, just the, dude, just the photography, brother's a DP special, like that, that, that shot of her fingers coming over the thing. There's all like oh crystallization. Oh my God, oh my like, God dude. dude. The glass that they were using to shoot that, you oh know, it's my like, God, dude, it's like, it's like, dude, I guess it was the, it was the, I think it was the same lenses they used for all the close-ups in Blade Runner. I think it was a 65 mil mm-hmm. gold Panavision. And dude, <laughs> like Dan Mendel, uh, we're shooting a commercial with Danny Mendel, and Dan owned one of those. <laughs> and I may not have the story exactly right, but I think I do. He got one day, he just came in, it was at Panavision, and he went to get the lens, and it was gone, and there was a check for $250,000 with, hey, Danny, love the lens, signed Jim. Jim Cameron just bought the fucking <laughs> Jim Cameron decided to give him a quarter million dollars to take the fucking lens. I mean, I hope I have that right, that story. If not, it could be true. But, like, I thought it was the funniest goddamn thing. Oh, but, my but, God. But, yeah, but like, again, that the, – the, that – what you've done, and, and again, because it's also that attention to detail and that kind of you're not you're giving people with that short something that's so kind of heightened and cinematic and feels like they're in on something, right? They're in on, and then they, and then and then going the step further, dude. Publishing their whether they're whether they're raves or <laughs> I, I thought this was shit. Having the balls to go, man. Here's everybody's. You know, it's like people don't do that, dude. Yeah. So they want to plug into that because now they trust you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I trust you. Well, I mean, I honestly said, and I believe this, I've learned, you know, because when you do, you know, you've done big pieces, but if you're not someone that's directing like feature films and getting those kind of things, I would get all sorts of feedback from like big music videos. So, and that would be instantaneous online feedback where it'd be in the comments of fucking YouTube and someone would be like, this thing fucking sucks, you know, and you just sort of get that feedback. So you, early on, you, I just learned... Whenever I look at uh, reviews, what I end up doing is I psychologically break it down instantly. So I, I, I sort of read through it and I go, okay, can this guy spell? One, like what are the what are the descriptors that he keeps falling back on? Two, and, it, and when I'm looking for stuff like this, I'm always looking for relevance. Like I've gotten one note on, and this is the show's becoming about me, and we'll change the topic after this. Uh, but I got uh, n- notes that one note that I believe in where they're like, look, there's a couple music cues, and I've consistently got this, there's a couple music cues that feel forced. And I know they're fucking forced because I fucking forced them. And when I put them in there, I was like, yeah, maybe this will work. I'll just put it out. Who gives a shit? And, and afterwards, <laughs> right. you go, ah, it, doesn't, it doesn't work. Not because I think it sucks, but just I don't like the reaction that's getting a large populace of people. So I'm like, got it. So that's why I read reviews. And I love fucking, I, I, I went and I saw, I'll say the movie. I went and I saw It Comes at Night, which was that A24 movie. And I was hooked like everybody on A24's advertising. That's, they, they shoot trailer meat and they do a fucking good job with it. Brother, was that the one with Joel Edgerton with the yes. dog like barking into the darkness? Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I remember the, that. Yeah. So the trailer, I was like, fuck yes. You know, and it's like this really great build. <laughs> Spoilers. You go watch the movie and nothing really comes at night. You know? No, dude, it doesn't come at night. It just kind of hangs out out there. Yeah. And yeah, I, I felt, I'm feeling the same way, dude. It really, I got hyped on, and I love Joel, and I got hyped on that. And I was like, huh. You know, it's like, and again, it, it you, because you wanted it to be, you wanted it to fulfill what those expectations were. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like, 
Right. It's like when I went to when I watched It Follows, I didn't have any expectations whatsoever. I wound up digging the shit out of it. Right. Yeah. So what a weird fucking you know. <laughs> and 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 but you yeah you go in with these and yet and then there's stuff dude that's so hyped through the moon you go and then you go see and you go well, I don't get it man yeah I, you know what I mean? it's like what's all the the what's all about? the blue about yeah you know it's <laughs> well, well but, when, I, when I was in when I was in uh, it comes at night. Uh, the movie, fin- <laughs> it was a small audience. The movie finishes, the movie finishes. And this is big motherfucker that's sitting in front of me and he's got dreadlocks, big motherfucker. And the movie goes, the lights come up and he stands up and he goes, motherfucker. And he just screams it at the screen <laughs> and, he, and he walks out and I turn to my friend and I go, if I get that reaction for any of my movies, it's a fucking win. <laughs> That's a win. win. Brother, by the way, I remember like, dude, I remember like doing the, the, uh, the, um, we did the research, uh, screening on the gray mm-hmm. and, and it was like, I remember these guys, like there's these three dudes and they're like, fuck this movie, man. I wanted to fight that wolf. I want to be like, you know, they were really pissed off. Yeah. And the moderator very wisely goes, okay guys, fair enough. Okay. You see this on a Friday. Who's talking about it on Saturday? Their hands go up. These guys, right? <laughs> okay. You see on Saturday. Who's talking about on Sunday? Their hands go up again, right? You see it. Okay, you're at the water cooler Monday morning. Everybody's fucking hand goes up, including the guys that proposed to hate it. I'm yeah. like, that's all I want. That's all I want. All I want is the conversation because it's yeah. like I'll have people go, you know, well, what happened? I go, well, I don't know. What do you think happened? You know, it's like, what do you think? I don't know. What I said, my the movie ended the minute that that guy made a decision he, he was going to fucking fight. That's it. It's all perfect. Know is he's going to fight. That's it. End of movie. Right? And and but dude, the goddamn conversations that that inspired and the fucking vitriol that i got like the shit like dude against reading some of your stuff like you motherfucker you think i'm fucking fuck you with your fucking movie it's like i got that shit dude it's crazy it's like they're so pissed off they're so fucking pissed off because the assumption is you know well you owe me you got to tell me what the fuck happens like no i don't know your shit i don't don't have to tell you shit what do you think it's much more (laughs) interesting to hear what you think than what i think because what i think doesn't really matter anymore you know it's like it's not it's the other thing dude it's like it's not present for me. Yeah. Not that I don't, not that I'm not really proud of it. Not that I don't love it. Not that I'm not glad I made it right. But it doesn't energize the moment for me right now. I did it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I did it. So I'm not going to sit there and dine out on that endlessly. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, listen, unless it gives me fucking like tickets to games on the floor or, or <laughs> boxing, or, you know what I mean? Or a great fucking seat somewhere. Who gives a shit? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, who cares? You did it. And I always think that the, the mistake dude, is to dwell in that mission accomplished kind of thing. Cause the minute you did it, brother, you did it. It's like, okay. I, I, you see these guys like that will just kind of years and years and years go by. And they're still trying to fucking crack that first nut. They're still trying to get that whole thing. It's like, move, man. Yeah. Move. Yeah. Just Do make something it. Else. Just make it. If that is supposed to come back to you, it will, you know, we've all got projects like that. It's like, I hope I get, dude, I spent fucking 12 years trying to make killing Pablo. And then Jose Padilla and, and Wagner Mora came along and did it for Netflix. Brilliantly. Yeah. I couldn't even knock them. It was fantastic, right? That's 12 years that, that okay, but I went to Columbia. I met all these wonderful people. I interviewed all these tremendous people. Like, I got this all this great shit, and that was the experience, right? It didn't mean that, and it doesn't mean I won't make it at some point, but if I don't, I'm not going to sit there and fucking cry the blues. You know, it's like, it's it, it, oftentimes these are just these, they're transitory moments, dude, you know, and you, and you, and you, and you move on. And, but, but the, but the goddamn, the shit that it creates, dude, <laughs> and the vortex <laughs> of conversation and opinion and invective and all kinds of wonderful shit and vitriol. Yeah, I'm here for it, man. You know, I just, I don't have, I think they want you to give them a, a, a roadmap. Yeah. Uh, but and I'm not going to do it. 
you know, I agree, no need. dude, I completely agree with you. I mean, let's talk about so the gray i think is a fucking phenomenal movie i've always thought it was a phenomenal movie and it's it it has the ingredients not to be right so it's like it's it's like okay so if it wasn't you and if it was somebody else that i just saw this movie because i know i knew who you were as a filmmaker and i'm like well carnian did this so there's got to be a reason but prior to that i was like well who the fuck this is a live with like lots of flashbacks and emotional flashbacks. Like it has the recipe to be something, you know, that we've seen a hundred times. And when, when you watch that film, there is this, not just a love letter for, for, for life, but also this like understanding of death and this like exception of death. That's right. Really fucking like haunting and, it's scary but beautiful at the same time and when you whenever i'm thinking about doing um some sort of emotional flashback or some sort of emotional context i'm always coming back to the gray because you did it so fucking well man and like it it, it shouldn't have been that well so it was it was you that did that man you know, well, dude, my buddy Ian, Ian Jeffers wrote a really beautiful short story called Ghost Walkers that was based on. Hmm. And I, I just took it. And, I, and dude, listen, it took me like seven, eight months to write that script over the course. Because, I, you know, I had to, I did, you know, and, and dude, probably not no bullshit, Mike, probably lost $67 million on that movie because. Really? Scumbag. I don't mind to call him a scumbag. If you're out there, I hope I see you in traffic. Uh, uh, you motherfucker. Uh, just a scumbag uh, of financiers who, you know, again, dude, as is their, as is their wit to rob everybody blind, yeah. you know, steal everything. It's not bolted down. Uh, but it's, but by the same token, dude, I don't regret. I'm, I'm deeply, deeply proud. I would have made that movie for free. I mean, I basically wound up making it for free. Yeah. Uh, but, but I think that uh, what it represents even to me now is my, my, my one, my great fear of, what it means to be a man, like this idea of this machismo or this kind of bravado, this kind of bullshit notions mm-hmm. of, uh, and I think again, you know, you saw this poor guy that this guy Twitch uh, take his own life a couple of days ago from all accounts and all appearances, a really happy go lucky guy. And he was Ellen's DJ and oh. beloved and all that stuff. And, you know, I, listen, this happened with Tony Scott. I mean, when I, you know, I remember being in, I think I was shooting a commercial in, in, uh, in Prague when I got a text from Chris Pine of all people sends me a text this bummer about Tony. That's Jesus why I found out Tony Scott was Christ. There. So, so, and, 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 and Mike, when I tell you he was the last champion of the gray, I wish I had this, I had this brilliant message from him and I wish I'd picked up the phone, but then I, I I'm glad I didn't in some ways because I got this tremendous, that I used to listen to on my own fucking, I, I, I've lost it now. This, and, uh, you know, this, and it was basically when I was at war with these producers and fighting with everybody, you know, Tony just sends his message going, hey, hey, Joe, it's town. Movie's fucking great, Mike. It's great. Fuck him. <laughs> Kill, kill. That was it. Like that was Tony. <laughs> and and so you know, it, and again, dude, dealing with that post, that whole thing, you know, this idea of, you know, this idea of taking your own life, this idea of being suicidal, and this idea of you know, and, and my whole thing on that movie was, you know, yeah, you, you think you want to go until you're faced with it, until you're faced with the end, and then what do you do to fight for the life you have left? You know, what what remains? Yeah. And, and again, dude, and it's like the reality of it, brother, is like I would I would have like just, you know, been in a fetal position to puddle a piss and let the wolves rip me apart. But <laughs> this being wishful thinking and and kind of wish fulfillment, you you know, he decides I'm gonna rush in and fight these fuckers. You know, and I think that's what we all mm-hmm. would like to think. 
But these were very, again, dude, these themes I thought were very relatable and, and certainly didn't belong to me. Yeah. It was just my, and that's why I said, dude, some of the, you get one of those rare occasions where you just kind of cast a movie out there, like let it go do its thing. And then it evolves in ways you could have never foreseen. Um, it takes on dimensions you never could have anticipated. So uh, I, I'm very, very lucky in that way that, that, that you know, um, that that movie did what it did. And, and it's funny, dude, I, 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 I hadn't watched it in a long time and I, and I avoid watching it because it's only now I get to the point where I don't hear all the fucking bad sound edits. Like all of us as filmmakers, like, Oh yeah. God damn it. Yeah, you gotta get over that dude. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, there was a couple moments dude that, that hadn't wrecked me in the past that really did a, did a number on me. And I think it's just because yeah. as you get older, I think different movie, different parts of that movie mean different things to you. you yeah. Know? Yeah. And, uh, and so again, dude, it's one of those, Brother, I'm lucky I got to make it. I doubt I'd ever be. It, I had Liam at the height of his Liamness, you know, <laughs> um, that got the movie made, you know, and his and him just being a, a a fantastic friend and collaborator. I think he was dealing with a lot of personal shit on that as well. You know, he was getting over the you know the loss of his yes, wife. That was terrible. Um, yes. so there was a lot of things baked into that process, brother. That if you sat there and kind of broke it down, it's like, yeah, that's why it worked because it had this crazy tremendous sense of itself this tremendous heart and and uh yeah man and, and you're right it, on paper it probably shouldn't because it could just be you know kind of 10 little indians <clears throat> you know like yeah we're just slowly knocking people off but um you know i've heard you know again theories that you know he was the only one that survived that plane crash and he's actually alone and all those guys are just versions of his personality they're just aspects of his personality I thought that was cool. That's you know cool. what I mean? That's like, very cool. Sure. Yeah. It's like, I'll, I'll take credit for everything. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, a whore. Like, I don't, I'm a whore. I, whatever. whatever. Sure. It sounds great. You know? No, I mean, because, I mean, I, I think it's great that you're, that you're, that you're sort of dismissing it that way, but this is something that I learned really early on. And it, and you know, obviously if you've seen my stuff, you know, I'm a fan of Carpenter and you know, I'm a fan of the right. thing. And the, but my favorite part of that fucking movie is the, is the final shot of that movie. Where it's oh, just so like, what do we do? I don't know. What do we do? Let's just sit here. Let's just see. We'll just let's just see what happens. Yeah. What a fucking, you know. And, and dude, I can certainly see that in the gray. You know, yes. it's like, yes, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll see you later, man. I'm done. You know, it's like, you know, the fact that, like, you know, where were you, childs? You know what I mean? Like, where were you? You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. and you got, you got fucking Keith David. It's just one of the great oh. fucking character actors of all time. Yeah, and in that. That sense of it, I think it's I think it's oddly dude it's it's Carpenter's most like reaffirming and yet with the exception of Starman which I loved it. yes I loved the movie yes uh, very touching I think that's his most emotional film but I think it's Carpenter kind of with the understand this kind of nihilism of of like or the cynicism of like yeah we ain't going anywhere we're just gonna kill this thing out here you know. And you've got you no know, dude. You've got a twenty-five-year-old Kurt Russell that's fucking more manly than oh my I can't believe a twenty-five-year-old right now, dude. That's as much of a stud as that guy was. Oh my I mean, god! Forget we have a dearth of like actual <clears throat> kind of that kind that kind of fucking dude. That dude, you know. Oh, um, dude. I mean, and, and, and I hate to say it this way, but I was raised by those dudes. You know, like I think. Oh man, me too. And like, listen, with all due respect to like, I'm not even talking about like I'm talking about. That kind of there is that rugged, there is that you yeah. know, dude. Those those performances, you know, fucking Newman and Cool Hand Luke, dude. Like those kind of quintessentially male, so good. you know, movie star and 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 Kurt in that movie, dude. And in Escape from New York, like it's like that guy's doing shit that you just don't get, dude. You just don't, you know. Uh, 
you just don't get anymore. Yeah. Like, that who, who is that guy today? I don't, dude. I mean, your guess is as good as mine. I'm, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying, I think because I think that they're so curated, brother. Yeah. Anytime there's like the emergence of, <clears throat> the emergence of kind of talent or you're this guy, there's an immediate, you know, kind of moderation of those qualities so that it can be maximized for profit. Sure. You know, it's like, we don't want to put these people off. We don't want to do this. We don't want to do that. Um, but I don't think that there's a ready made because I think, again, I think that, you know, I don't know where this, the, the term toxic, toxic masculinity came from. I certainly don't ascribe to it. Mm-hmm. I don't identify with it. I think it's a bunch of horse shit. I think that, and then the other thing is like, Oh, just someone says they have daughters. That makes, well, I have daughters, motherfucker. And trust me, yeah. it is, it will have a profound effect. You know, I've got a 27 year old daughter. It has a profound effect on you. Yeah. But I was also raised by an absolute killer assassin of a mom who is the kindest person and the most gentle, wonderful person in the world until she sees you being weak by choice. If you're choosing to be weak, my mom goes very Bavarian German. That's that for you, you know, but, but I, but she's the one, dude, by, by the way, my brother, my brother, Matt is also a byproduct of that upbringing. Like my mom just broke. No, you weren't going to be a douchebag. You weren't going to be a chauvinist. You weren't going to be any of this stuff. You're going to understand that, you're going to understand that you're not better than anybody else. Skin color doesn't matter. All these things that, you know, that that was just baked into the, into the process with us. Right. Yeah. So, so but, but so where that originated, I don't know, but I certainly am not going to back down from, um, my identification, like your identification with those things. Mm-hmm. So that's not, now that's wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, listen, um, uh, you know, you read Sandra Locke's biography. Clint was a, was a cunt. I mean, dude, Clint was not, <laughs> was not a good dude. I still have great fondness in my heart for Clint Eastwood. Yeah. You know, it's not because not at the expense of what Sandra Locke had to endure, which I'm sure was miserable. Um, but at the same token, she had a career. She had these, you know, she, um, these things are seldom brother, just this one sided thing. And again, yeah. don't can't, I'm like, I'm not laying out. It's like, this is what you always like backtrack with these comments. Right. I've said, what I said, I don't think Clint was an ideal. I don't think he was a, a straight A student, right? Yep. But I love Dirty Harry. Yep. You know, I love. You know what I mean? Um, yep. It's hard for me to, to to because in certain regards, brother, like you know, I, I don't want to watch Woody Allen movies anymore. It's hard for me to watch Woody Allen movies because what I know, right? I, yeah. It's like, yeah. But was he was was he somebody I really looked up to? Absolutely. Yeah, of um, course. But I think we're getting into this this whole notion of what do they call it? like presentism, where mm. well, I was back in. Jim Crow South, I would have done this and I would have done that. Oh, fuck off. No, you yeah. wouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. No, you wouldn't. You know. Um, but again, dude, that I I I love those movies, dude. I love guy, I love, you know, Harrison Ford and Raiders. That's that's a fucking that's, that's a dude. So good. I'm so that's a dude. Snake Plissken, that's a dude. You know, it's like RG McCready, that's a dude. So I I I'm not gonna apologize for that, you know. No, no just, that, but the also <clears throat> here's the other thing, because you know, I was raised by a tough mom too. And, and she was the one like my dad and I love him, but my dad was always like, Hey, let's go watch wizard of Oz. And I was like, ah, my mom was always like, Hey, let's go see lethal weapon. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go see that. She was, you know, a, a strong feminist and a hundred percent pounded it in me from when I was a kid. She's like, you know, I, I, I know who your Italian uncles are. You're not going to be one of them. And she sort of right. pounded that into me. But at the same token, she was 
you know, in love with Harrison Ford, in love with Bruce Willis, in love with these guys as characters as a strong feminist. And she was like, I, he's just so dynamic. He's so interesting on screen. And it's, yeah. it's, it's the humanity that sneaks through. And, you know, there's nothing more powerful than a, than a tough guy trying not to cry. You know what I mean? And you, you watch that on screen and you go, fuck, they love that shit. So when did that become toxic? When did that become something that we're not allowed no, to I, see anymore? Anyway, I'm talking to the guy at 25 who's a fucking absolute man, Mel Gibson. Yes. And I know, I work with Mel. Here's the deal. Like, you know, and I see these guys continue to take shots at Mel. Like, listen, and Mel's the first guy to admit he said deeply unfortunate things. I remember him telling me, Joe, the finger of blame for my situation points back at one guy, me. He's mm -hmm. never not. He's not, He also got sober. And has been sober for 14 years or whatever the hell it's been. But our 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 need to con consistently, constantly punish um, uh, people because of past misdeeds mm. and, and need to flagellate them endlessly for that shit uh, has super has superseded the whatever whatever uh, real gestures of contrition that he's made. But that guy in Road Warrior was a goddamn man. Oh my you know? god! You know what I mean? Like oh my god! You, you know, know? stud. Lethal Weapon, you mentioned, right? Like yeah. that, you know, dude, even like, even Bruce and Die Hard, like he was a different version of a, a very masculine dude, right? Yeah. But but kind of not not yoked, not, you know, not Stallone and, in, 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 you know, in, in, uh, in Rambo or not not Schwarzenegger and, you know, everything. But but a different version of that, but no less kind of manly. And like you said, my mom's, you know, I remember like my mom also had appreciation for Redford and Queen and you yes. know these yes. guys understanding that there was good looking kind of you know vibrant uh, challenging interesting men and and that shouldn't be you know criminalized <laughs> you know <clears throat> now <clears throat> any more than it was then because my mom is by the same talk I remember you know Aliens would not have been a film that she ever would have watched mm -hmm. I'll never forget her watching it with me and the moment that that Sigourney Weaver finds Newt's, you know, that Ripley finds Newt's little tracker mm -hmm. and that's be the end of it. And she hears her scream and she's immediately like a shot um, on her feet. I'll never forget my mom going, Oh, well she's something, <laughs> you know, like that for my mother was like, <laughs> look at her, the maternal instinct in her firing her forward. Cause that's what my mom was, you yeah. know, like yeah. this endless, this endless kind of energy and effort for your kids. Yeah. And, and and that's that's the way. So at some point it became didn't matter. That it was this kind of gory R rated, you know, whatever. My mom was in, man. Like yeah. she just understood it to be larger than the than the than than contextually what it appeared to be. Um, and, and I think and that's I love her for that. And and that so that so again these instincts, dude, in me were largely uh, the, the 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 byproduct of a, of a and I'm sure in your case a really tough mom, yeah. but but a really deeply loving, supportive yes. mother. You know. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. And it, it adds, you know what it is, is it like, could, like, I, I mean, I'm guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it, right? You're, you're, we all have strong opinions. We create strong opinions based upon what we hear, based upon what we see at surface value, right? You walk down the street, you see someone coming at you from the other angle and you're like, what's this person wearing? What are they doing? How are they walking? You're assessing this. And I think it's a, I think it's like inherently within our genes to be a safety thing where you're like, is this dangerous? Am I walking into a dangerous place? But we are now as a species are in <laughs> ran, so yeah. rarely in fucking danger that we're using those same skills to just sort of size people up and now try to be heard in this sea of like social media insanity. Right. And, and you just don't 
get to know them. Like one of the things I love as a byproduct of doing this podcast is that on a weekly basis, within three minutes, I have to connect immediately with a stranger and and find some sort of common ground. Right. Um, and through that, you start to discover like, hey, what I thought of this person is completely fucking wrong. And my sure. barometer for, for humans are completely fucking wrong. And you just wish that the rest of the planet would sort of get their shit together. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen. I know. But yeah, you wish it would. You know, you totally wish it would. It's like, it ain't going to happen, but yeah, you want it to. And it's, and also it's like, but, but again, dude, that, you know, there's always that additional um, room for growth. There's always the next yeah. thing. There's always the, the, the evolutionary step that you can take. And sometimes again, it's like, you know, so these could be incremental forms of growth, but I think, you know, to, to, to kind of succeed as a society, especially with the shit we're dealing with right now, yeah, we have to grow, man. You know, and we're just not, you just, we're just, you know, there's too many fucking dummies, you know, talking too much and not listening enough. And, and this is the situation we find ourselves in, which is, which, which can be depressing brother and, and daunting. Yeah. yeah, Um, yeah. and I think again, you know, like you had mentioned earlier, like, you know, it's like, I think Spielberg says this as well. It's like, I didn't, I didn't have therapy. I had movies, you know, Mm -hmm. and I think Mm -hmm. I've had both, you know, and I think, and, and I always feel like. There's some part of me it's like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna hang on to this. I need to hang on to this little bit of angst because I can put it on on screen, you mm-hmm, know. Mm-hmm. And 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 again, you have to ask yourself, like, you know, is there still the room to make these kind of deeply personal things, um, and and not have them be ignored or relegated to? Well, that's you know, that's this or that's you know, um, you know, it. it there was certainly elements of your movie, dude, that were very avant-garde to me, you know, like, you know, and, and that, that, you know, and I think those things can coexist, but it's still dude, within an identifiable genre, which is the horror genre. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've never, I mean, I don't think the gray is a horror film, dude. I think it's got elements of it that are scary, but it's certainly not a horror film, but I like, I want to do, I want to go into something that's purely kind of horror and see what that experience is like, you know? Um, It's fun, dude. It's fun. Yeah, I mean, and not on this. I haven't done it on the scale of the stuff that you've done, dude. But like, just on the on the smaller scale, it's just. I think the thing that I love the most about the genre is that the audience wants you to go off the rails. The audience wants to see technique. They want to see you play. They want that shit. And I, I think because of legends like Sam Raimi, these people that have existed and are known for fucking, you know putting their their technique as part of the horror genre so they they love that and then um, we're back talking about 12 cam but the the thing that i found fascinating about doing this and i could only do it in the genre was doing a movie in a language that i don't speak right that's great and, dude and working with actors that don't speak english and so right. when when i was on set I, the joke is that i had two translators I had a translator to tell me what the actor said, and I had a translator to tell me if that other translator was lying. <laughs> <laughs> that's great, dude. That's great. That's that sums up the level of trust on a film set right there. Yeah, tell me this guy bullshitting me. No, 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 he's good. That is historical, brother. That's yeah, great. Yeah. What, what it tri- what it ended up doing, my point was 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 that uh because I couldn't speak the language, I knew that I was watching this thing from the from a standard audience member's perspective. And I wanted to make a film that you didn't need to read the subtitles for. Like you could understand it 
visually. Right. And so it was almost like, like making a silent film. And in that range, I was able to do such fun things like who's got the power play here and how does the camera position change based upon power play? What does this mean as far as blocking is concerned? Um, and it's celebrated because it's in that genre. I think it would have been, uh, I couldn't have done that if it was a comedy. I couldn't have done that. If it, or, or a straight drama, brother. It, it, it yeah. was just like a Chernobyl like straight drama. Forget it. Yeah. Forget yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but the, the, you know, horror has its own titillation. Yeah. It has its own kind of it does, dude. And and, and I think oftentimes it can be kind of salacious. We want to see it's like, you know, dude, you know, think about the, you know, the in the era of the slasher film, right? Like yeah. it's it just became about like how do we kill these fuckers in more inventive ways, you know? And it's like, <laughs> yeah. listen, we saw kind of, you know, I think, I think David Gordon, I think those guys in the last, these last two Halloween films, whatever your feelings are about those, they went, they went, they went hard in the paint, dude, with fucking, let's cut the guy's tongue off. Let's let the guy's tongue like, get on an LP and spin around. I mean, it was like, they just went, bro. They went like old school, like, you know, gut them and, you know, drive your thumbs through their eyes and all, you know, it's like that, that stuff that I think, we dude for years people they they that was cathartic man like yes yes you know what i mean like yes yeah fuck this guy up like put a spear to this guy's head and fuck you know it's like that was real catharsis and we and some of those i look at now and go jesus christ man that was heavy <laughs> duty like watching like the prowler dude like god damn, damn like yeah. brutal dude. You know, oh brutal brother like like you know so so what is it about that why is it this why is it Again, dude, that kind of, you know, listen, you know, Jason Blum built the whole, by the way, Jason Blum was not a horror producer per se, no, but, but fill the space because he saw this tremendous need for that kind of stuff that was really modestly priced cheap, mm -hmm. um, that, that would work. And it's like, you know, if you look at the, at the first kind of paranormal activity, it, you know, there's moments it's kind of goofy, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, but it, but it, but it works, it works, man. It's like. And it and it serviced that, you know. The, again, do the ultimate kind of the Jaws thing, what you can't see, what's out there that you're oh, not yeah. aware of. Oh, oh, yeah. The Blair Witch stuff. What's that sound? And the creation of that, the, dude. All again, brother. The 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 ultimate kind of let's enjoin the audience in this in this experience. You're you're part of it, man. Because what your what your mind is gonna is gonna create in that moment is gonna be a thousand times more terrifying than what than something we could show. Exactly. You know? Something something um, that I can afford to shoot. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah. I can, dude, I can only think of like one real like uh, what, what Von Trier did with Melancholia because you heard that kind of that oh, low yeah. rumbling for 40 minutes of the movie. Oh, yeah. Toward the end. There's just that low end bassy sound. And then he cuts that fucking shot to that planet. And I went, holy shit. That one shot yeah. was all you needed. Right. Yeah. It was like, oh, man, did he ever kind of earn the monster moment right there? Because there it was. Fuck, but man. but dude, rarely does that does that pay dividends that when you show it, you know, yeah. it's like, eh. you know what I mean? Like, you know, it, 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 the subconscious is always fueling so much the, better. You know, so much. Oh, better. I mean, it's it's the same thing when people go uh, see a movie that they had read a book for initially and they're like, yeah, the movie wasn't as good as the fucking book. It's like, of course not. Your 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 imagination has no budget range. Your imagination can yeah. can fill the gaps and your imagination also knows exactly who you are and what your history is. And oh. so it ties all your emotional context to everything that you're reading. I know I can't fucking do that as a filmmaker. I can try to do that. I, I, 
absolutely, you're absolutely, absolutely true. Hey, brother, can we can we pause this for a moment? Continue going. Is that all right? It's perfect. It's fine. I got to take a leak, anyways. back took a break um so joe you and i have talked offline that uh you know i've been you know 12 cam has gone over to scott free and i've been over there and i've had the opportunity like ridley saw the movie which is amazing to me the dude that did fucking alien Um, but when i was in that offices i couldn't help but like wish that like tony scott is such a fucking influence like this this last short i was just shooting i was literally putting on days of thunder just to watch those scenes between tom cruise and uh duvall in the fucking garage oh yeah dude. um yeah so like you had a close connect with uh tony how'd you meet him did you meet him was it the bmw film oh, stuff that you guys I, met? Yeah, I, met him, I met him on the bmw films and then jules daly who produced all those who is one of my dear friends we we all you know she gave me an office at rsa for Shit, 12 years I had an office there. Wow. Gave me a start doing commercials, gave me a lot of stuff, and, and ultimately kind of produced the gray. Um, and Tony was always just someone who would, I would always kind of seek out his counsel and his advice and someone I <clears throat> had the greatest admiration for because Tony kind of refused to – Tony loved to work, and he kind of refused to be defined in any one kind of way. Yeah. And that's why you see kind of all the gauzy kind of 80s – kind of beauty stuff that is top gun and then you go to like you know true romance this kind of grimy oh my god you know <clears throat> like you know that tony loved that and then of course you know man on fire which i think is his like absolutely unheralded masterpiece unheralded by the critical community heralded by everybody that that actually makes movies and knows dude, the fuck they're doing 100 percent, 100 fucking percent dude you can I, and, and it just shows how how much i believed in tony i thought that Dakota Fanny's character was dead. The first time I watched that movie, I thought she was dead. <laughs> um, that's how good Tony was. That's how much, and, and again, that's how how it, there was always a verisimilitude and this sense of, of, the, of this great sense of reality and kind of even in this even in this kind of Hollywood form, you know, Tony was still able to kind of inject these movies with you know with with his humanity. <clears throat> and I'll tell you a, a, a fucking great story, Mike, that you will repeat that when, the, the moment you hear it, you'll repeat it now for the rest of your life. Okay. Paul Cameron, who's a good buddy of mine who shot, I shot a bunch of commercials with Paul and he shot man on fire. <clears throat> and that moment where Denzel gets shot and it's like, you know, he's, you think he's going to die and they shoot him down the street when they take Dakota Fanning. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the time, Tony had an old, you know, the old wind up from like 1919, 1920, this old Bolex that you'd have to, that you, and, and what you do, dude, is you would punch the mag as you were cranking it, as you were shooting. And he used it in a bunch of Marlboro commercials, but it, but it, but dude, it would literally, it would shift the film inside the gate as it processed the pin register, grab it and kind of shake it up. So none of that shit, oh, wow. you'll appreciate this. That was all in camera, those things they were doing. Right? Yes. Yes. Kind of the weird stutter effect and that kind of weird phasing thing that would, um, so that was all in camera and he was, but, but it required you to literally crank and punch. Right. Wow. So, so Paul had told him, Tony, please, we're shooting like eight cameras. 
like when Denzel was rehearsing it, people were like, it was so emotional, right? Yeah. And and so they start shooting it, and he's getting shot, and and, and Paul's like, dude, it's like watching an elephant die. Like there's like there's teamsters that are like emotional, or whatever. And Paul's sitting there on a camera, dude, and above his head, all he hears is like, uh, uh, and this like racket. Right? He looks up. There's Tony bawling his eyes out, punching the shit out of this camera and cranking it at the same time. <laughs> Is as tone a story as a Tony story gets. Like that's what he was, dude. He was just this 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 kind of indelibly lovely humanist, <laughs> just from, from another era, brother. He was just Tony. Tony was existed in another era, you know, where he would be like, you know, you went to Paramount, dude. There was like, you know, trays of cocaine, and you know, <laughs> three things were like, you did that every other day. It was like it's just like, you know. So, uh, so, dude, again, my hero, you know, for for a lot of reasons, yeah. not just, <laughs> but, you know, he. I thought, dude, that he was, dude, even in his sixties, and this is why it was such a bummer when we lost him. Yeah, the way we, even at his age then, I think he was sixty-seven when he died. He was still pushing it, man. He was still finding these different avenues and these different ways visually. Yeah, stories, and that's why. You know the whole like the whole Tarantino thing about you know your best work is always behind you. You know when you're young, I I completely disagree. I think Tony is a testament to that. I think he was doing his best shit later in life. Yeah, and that's and that again, just from a fan standpoint, is why it's so so you know doubly kind of a letdown that we won't get those movies. We won't get those kind of Tony and you know like. Uh, you know, Cop Shop. Well, my version of Cop Shop, which I have, yeah, uh, is very much a Tony Scott film. Oh, why? Uh, why is it? Why? What, what, is, what did you do differently in your version? Oh, that's a long story, but there's a director's version of that movie that's my version. Yeah, that is about 15 minutes longer, and it's just exponentially better. Uh, before I could have gotten sued for saying this stuff. Now I don't give a fuck. I'm going to show that I have that mic completely fully mixed. I have a DCP of that movie. Um, that I can screen anywhere, anytime. And I will. Dude. And I will. And some shit's going to come out that's not going to be flattering to certain people. I give a fuck at this point. Uh, uh, dude, because, I, I want to be But there. it's very much that movie. <laughs> was very much, even, dude, even in, it's kind of, even in that, I never saw the theatrical release. I never saw that version. Really? Uh, no. Didn't, had no interest in seeing it because it just wasn't, it wasn't my movie, dude. It was. Oh, it was so I, I had no idea. So then- oh, yeah, Bubba. Yeah. It was based on. A movie I now enough time has passed. I can't. I, I give a shit. Like, what are you gonna? Are you gonna come after me with your whatever? Yeah, come after me. Yeah. Uh, um, but no, 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 brother. That was and it's and it, and it and it still got good scores. But now, dude, I never saw it. Had no interest in seeing it. I have a version of that movie that's just fucking lights out. Oh. But it's very much a Tony. It's very much my version of a, of a Tony Scott film. Um, so it's, okay. And, all right. All right. So this is interesting because I didn't know that, and I watched. Yeah, but, I watched Cop Shop. And I felt like I was given, because I thought it was your movie, and I felt like I was giving you a pass. So there was a bunch of stuff in that movie where I went, oh, it's almost there. This is almost right. This is almost yeah, you, brother, This is what happens when you, when a movie is taken from you and, and stripped of its essential elements, and oh. you're doing the bidding of one person. Oh. And I'm not going to name this motherfucker right now, but he's a bum. Yeah. And he knows who he is. And and this is what happens is that you wind up getting in this scenario where you're not the you know you you were the captain of a ship yeah that was superior in quality and dimension and construction 
and you know you wind up with the fucking SS Minnow. Jesus uh, Christ, dude. You know, we had the fucking we we had the. Uh, uh, no, I was gonna say I'm not. I can't say like the Lusitania, the Titanic. They both sunk. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. What's the pocket battleship that took the fucking beating and 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 still floated? What's that goddamn the famous fucking? Um, oh, dude, I'm not gonna uh, be able to. I'm not gonna be able to pull that out of my ass. <laughs> yeah, fucking, what was it, brother? Bismarck. Yeah, okay. Bismarck. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, it was. It you know, it's like you're you were. I was uh, sucked up into this thing, and I. And I did certain things. At some point, I just kind of washed my hands of it because there's nothing I could do. But I have a fully, I fully theatrical version, fully mixed, fully color timed everything of that movie, and I will screen it. And I will, I will take whatever smoke comes my way because that is the director's version. That is the intended version of that movie. Um, and I don't mind talking about it now, dude. Enough time has passed. You know that shit is is history, yeah. and I can't be accused of of daunt or diminishing its. Uh, it's uh, revenue streams because of what I'm saying. If anything, I'd release my version now. Yeah, uh, because way cooler and and way more interesting and way and, and, and a complete film, brother. It's like a complete. It's exactly every fucking frame that I wanted. Uh, and yeah, I want to see it. I had well, a, brother. That's you and I'll do together screening, dude. We'll you and I'll you know you will you you know we'll, right. we'll host it. All right, figure out. All right. We'll do it in Glendale, away from prying eyes, you know, <laughs> away from the prying eyes of Hollywood. Uh, yeah, but yeah, dude, it was again, and I didn't mean to go down this little fucking tributary, but, dude, but it's uh, fascinating. It's fascinating. I, you mentioned Tony Scott, and that was very much my ode to Tony, and I thought it got it got uh, mangled at, at the point of distribution, and and you know whatever I couldn't, uh, you know. But here's the thing, dude. As I say earlier, you know, this is me being a fucking hypocrite. Not everybody needs to know what the fuck is on your mind. And what do I do, dude? Shoot my mouth off like an asshole at the end of this podcast and potentially open myself up to future litigation. Well, you can it wouldn't be me without this, bro. <laughs> I couldn't go to the holidays without shit in bed in some way. So well, dude, go. you just let me know. I'll cut it out if you need me to. No, I'm kidding, but no, it, I don't mind. Honestly, brother, I don't mind because I feel like to not to not acknowledge it yeah. is is the is the is the is the the worst form of being a kind of a chicken shit about it. It's like, you know, it's, and I don't have enough respect for the people on that side of the fucking aisle to, 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 to hold my tongue or to bite my tongue any longer. It's like, it is there. I'm going to screen it and, 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 you know, we'll let the chips fall where they may. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Like, you know, you can sue me. Okay, fine. You're just going to draw a larger, you know, a, a, a more of a, of a spotlight to this scenario, which I've kept my mouth shut about. And I'm not going to anymore because I don't need to. It's been over a year. It's whatever the, you know, all the, you know, the chickens have come home to roost, whatever that thing was going to do. Yeah. And it's kind of, yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, and it's kind of palsied form. It did. And <laughs> now let's talk about the fucking, you know, the real version, you know? Well, dude, let, actual- let me just say, I appreciate you actually being honest about this because, I mean, that's what this show is. I've always said that our show is like, you know, it, there's this is the non-Instagram filter version of what it's like to be working in this business. And I don't think a lot of people understand. I mean, dude, you're a fucking legend uh, director at this point. You've been working since I was in fucking film school, you know, and the fact that you're still dealing with that, the fact that you had a movie yanked from you and you are being put through this stuff, it, it's a cautionary tale for so Oh, absolutely. For, and by the same t- token, dude, I also have to own up Mike, to why I did that movie in the first place. It's like, I'm not a fan of that actor at all. Hmm. Like, I did it for the dough. So I did it because I wanted to make a movie during um, um, during the pandemic, and I fell in love with Alexis Louder and thought that that woman was a fucking leading, 
you know, uh, uh, actor. And I thought she working with her was a fucking joy. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with Frank and I got to work with Ryan O'Nan. I got to work with people, you know, JP Cantillo. Like I got to work to, I got to work with a lot of people. I just adore Chris Holly, who's been in fucking everything I've done. So, you know, it was, so dude, I have to take my own responsibility. It's not just like, Oh, pity me, poor boy. Hey man, I waded into that fucking cesspool <laughs> and then was, and then was fucking shocked when I, when I wound up fucking sucking down, you know, a pollution. It's like, yeah, well, what yeah. did you think, dude? Yeah. What did you think? And what did you think these people that you went into that, that scenario with were going to somehow, you know, not be fucking reptilian. Of course they're going to be, that's, that's nobody's fault, but mine. Right. So, um, and, and listen, for whatever their reasons, I also understood their reasons. They wanted a shorter version. They wanted this, they wanted that. Okay. I can look at it objectively and go, yeah, I get it. I'm still saying fuck you yeah. because there's a, there's a superior version movie. You know, it's fucking superior and it's no, it's, it's like for a lot of reasons, not the least of which it tested higher than their version. You know, there's another little fucking, there's another little tidbit that like, I'm sure I get sued, you know, but it's like. It did. And so, so, you know, I still, and I'm not naming names and you haven't heard me say a single goddamn name except nope, for the people. That, I have no you know. idea. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, dude. And, and, and even the fact, Mike, that you're looking at that going, shit, man, I'm going to give Carnahan a pass. That pisses me off because that means that, you know, I'm not, I have to sit there and, and fucking take it. And you know what, when it was, when it was in its, whatever, uh, it, its moment, it's where it was the kind of the most, it could be the most lucrative or whatever the hell. Um, I kept my mouth shut. Now we're past that. So now I have to stick up for myself and, and, and wow. understand there is a version and it, you know, and I'm sure they're going to be, we, we want that back. You, when you pry it from my fucking cold, dead hands, you can have that DCP. Like <laughs> you're out of your mind. Like I'm going to copy it just to make sure I get another one. You yeah, know, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So again, dude, it's like this, it's this, um, it's this, uh, uh, you know, brother, it is what it is. Like I said, I'm glad I can share with you because I you, you have too. appreciation for it. And, and yeah. again, dude, it does piss me off that you felt I got to give, I like this guy as a filmmaker. Let me, let me cut him some slack. That sucks. You know, you don't ever want to feel that way. I don't want somebody going, I never want the sympathy vote, brother. Nobody wants the sympathy vote. Well, I mean, know? I wasn't giving you a sympathy. Let's not go all the way down that hole. I mean, the, like, no. I liked the flick. There's a lot of stuff I like in that flick. I love your flicks. And so, um, and to, to, to give you the credit that is deserved here, you have a fucking voice. You have a fucking voice. And in a time period where it feels like, I mean, I've done, you've done commercial work. I've done commercial work for these giant fucking companies. All they give a fuck about is whether or not their logo is shining the brightest. That's it. That's all, oh, yeah, all they care about. So they'll use as many of us as they possibly can to make sure that their logo, it, like the, the fucking knocking at the table sound, is louder than the rest of them. And that's what they—that's what Absolutely. they're doing. And, yeah, and you're right. And it's kind of that you have to know that going in. That, um, and that's why again, I didn't want. I never wanted to be in that scenario again with, with, cause I thought, well, the reason you make this independently like this is so you can say you can shut all that bullshit down. It's like, listen. You know, dude, boss level was a motherfucker to make. Really? And, oh, dude. And I did, like, bro, I, I got, I got, I, I, they cut me from 42 days to 27 days. I Jesus. shot them in 27 days. Jesus. 15 days out of my schedule. And I'm still getting sued by the fucking, <laughs> somehow the Bond company, which never took over the movie, never took it over, got absorbed by this giant conglomerate. And they're like, you better do something about this. So you're going to sue the guys where you could have taken the picture over and you never did. 
right? It's just crazy, the shit that's going on. And it's going to get thrown out because it's completely frivolous and ridiculous because – I, guys, I don't know how you think we stole money when we, you took 15 days out of my schedule. Where did, where did we suddenly, where was there a run on us being irresponsible other than doing a fucking lights out movie in half the time? Yeah. So, yeah, but, but I can say this dude for all of the fucking vipers and, and fucking, uh, you know, snakes and, and shitty human beings I had to deal with on that film, that movie dude, to the frame is exactly my movie. It's a great it's movie. It's exactly what I want to make. That's right? a great movie. And you've been, I love all, I love all of the new fans that you've got from that fucking movie, dude. Oh dude. Cause it was, I think, listen, I think it's one of those, again, I think it's one of those, I'm not a sci-fi guy, but I love that story. And I could totally get behind this notion of a guy who had fucked up with his kid and, and saw the means when everything was, when all was lost. Well, I'm just going to rebuild this with my son. I thought that was fucking yeah, I could totally sink my teeth into that, dude. Yeah, um, and it's dude, it's, it's, brother. It's the same thing with Shadow Force. It's like, it, it it's like it's really about an estranged family. It's really about the sacrifices you make for a kid that that and the toll that it takes on you. And 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 the other stuff is is window dressing. You know, the action stuff and all that other stuff is really is always going to be secondary to what to the heart and soul of that. And when you have two. Uh, people in Omar C and Kerry Washington who are just the loveliest fucking human beings alive. Yeah. That, that can relay that emotional journey. You dude, you're just, you're, you know, you're, you're playing with the biggest, you know, you, you're, you're so blessed that you can be a part of that with those, with that level of talent. But they also had the firm understanding. Yeah. This is what this movie is about. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I had the same sense with this one that it's, but you know, that's not going to be ripped away from me that, and then made into some, you know, inferior version of a, some chopped up fucking, you know, uh, variation on what you did and what you kind of bled into. And, and, you know, cause again, like you'd said, dude, it, it takes a lot of work to make a shitty film. It takes a lot of work to make any kind of like, you just, you got to get up every day and go after it with the same, you know, s- s- with the same uh, purpose of will and the same fucking sense of ferocity or, yeah, you know, I, you know, I, I don't know how to do it any other way. I'm not smart enough to do it any other way. I know it's know? tough. I mean, you, it beats the fuck out of you and you got to go to war every time you feel that way. And as soon as like an opportunity presents itself, you're just like, fuck it, let's go. Like it, yeah. it, it has to be that man. And, and so shadow force to so the audience knows that's your new one. That's the one that you just shot, right? Yeah. The one where, the one where I got a, I got a really, I think pretty rocking. I'll show it to you, brother. I got a really great Oof. director's cut um, that I'm, and I'm still inside my, you know, my DGA thing, but dude, you know, and also again, you have, you know, carries a producer, Pilar Savone, Stephen Love, these are really wonderful, supportive, talented people that you've got back in your play. Yeah. And that's not always the case, dude. It certainly wasn't the case on Cop Shop. Um, yeah. You know, I didn't have any of that. I, it was like, it was at some point, it was like us against the, you know, the, the forces of nature. So <laughs> it was, and it's, and that's a lonely fucking place to be dude, yeah. when yeah. Like, everybody's kissing one guy's ass and doesn't want to be honest about where we really are. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, you know, and, and again, dude, listen, there's no, no harm done, no love lost. I have my version of it, but I don't ever, brother, I would never assume or, or ever think that I would ever wind up in something like that again, given the people that are surrounding me now who are really, you know, for and by what we're doing. And, and, and yeah, I, I think a lot of people just don't respect that as far as the audience is concerned. As a director, you really need to have a producing team. You really need to have the support system behind you to have your fucking back because it's insane. Like, oh, uh, beyond, beyond, because you're, if you don't have that, 
you have the opposite of that, which is, you know, you just got a bunch of fucking people. Like I said, like, you know, what if, what about this? What if we did that? By the way, no one ever wants to take, you know, creative authorship for those things. Yeah. They, they want to suggest it and then fade as fast into the fucking woodwork as they can. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, you know, uh, the last thing they want is someone to put the put the thumb on them and go, wait, didn't you suggest? No, that wasn't me. Yeah, that wasn't me. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. no one wants to take credit, but everybody's got fucking ideas, right? Yeah. Everybody's got a a way to save it or a notion that, oh, what if we just did this? You know, um, but they don't have, but they lack the, you know, the actual. <laughs> and it's all I tell them. But it's like, listen, there's just so much. There's so much shit I'm terrible at, dude. There's a raft of shit. That I'm terrible at, but I've been doing this 30 fucking years. I'm pretty goddamn good in this space. Leave me the fuck alone. It's Leave so, me alone. It's so crazy. That's not to say, dude, I'm not going to, I listen to every goddamn idea that anybody's got. I'm always there for that, man. And I'm always the first to go. That's fucking fantastic. That's let's try it. Yeah. Right? I don't have that proprietary bullshit where it's like, everything has to come from me because if it does, I don't give a fuck, man. I don't. Yeah. It's like, it's going to say directed by Joe Carnahan. Well, who gives a shit if, if if the fucking if, if I, by the way, I know really smart, I know fucking brilliant key grips that have better ideas than most executives. Who cares if this guy said? What do we try? That's great, dude. Let's do it. Yeah, dude. I, 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 we got to wrap this up. But I, uh, I learned that I was lucky enough to be on the Farley Brothers sets for a couple of their movies, and uh, one on there as a guest, and I learned that from those guys. That's like, great. that's great, dude. Those, that's the, great. Those dudes would turn to their boom op and be like, "What do you think?" You know, and I was like, yeah. "It's a fucking family, yeah. dude. It's a family of." open-minded creatives and and that's part of i think a lot of people think that directors are i hate the term genius it's not like you drop out of your mom and suddenly you know what lens you're gonna fucking shoot with yeah exactly but but uh there you forget that you it's not a dictatorship to a certain extent you have to have a head of a ship but you're also collaborating, man. There's there's a lot of times where I'm in this space and I'm looking around, going, guys, I don't know how to fucking deal with this. Like, <laughs> what do you what do you suggest? Like, what is the thing that we should do here? You know, and movies, right. my shit's been made better because of the people. I get too much credit for the work that my crew's done on my stuff. Right, so, I think that's great, brother. As it should be, dude. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, as it should be. I think that's the most important thing. <clears throat> it's just. Credit where credit's due because it's all about the – listen, at the end of the day, dude, you just want to make the best possible film. Whatever the result, whatever the ingredients were, whatever the opinions were that went into that, when you bake it up, there it is. It's a fucking it, – it works. It's tasty. It, it, it's appealing, and, and everybody everybody enjoys themselves. And that's it, dude. Beyond that, it's like I just don't get into this whole like – it's got I hear these – oh, no, he didn't take any ideas. He won't, you know, he won't listen to anybody. It's got to yeah. be this way. It's got to be okay. Well, good luck with that, man. It doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't foster the best um, – it does not foster the best films and it doesn't, it doesn't, it certainly doesn't create a, uh, you know, this, this kind of, um, trust and this idea that we're all kind of in this together. It, it begins to separate. It's the caste system. Now I'm here, you're there. And I just think, dude, even at the end of the day, right, you're successful. You make a great movie, you stand up there and you have fucking five minutes where everybody's like looking up from their phones and they go, Oh, that was pretty good. And your arms are crossed and then you're by your fucking self. You're all alone up there if you're yeah, a dictator. Exactly, brother. Exactly. Anyway, bro, I don't want to. I don't want to take up the rest of your afternoon. Dude, this is uh, the shit. I appreciate everything, Joe. I'm so happy oh, to have met you, man. No, it was a pleasure, man. This is a wonderful podcast. Thank you so much for being on it, dude. You got it, man. My pleasure, brother.
Wow. <laughs> wow. So cool, man. So cool. It's like every once in a while, like the fear is I'm, I'm always afraid of meeting people in Hollywood, right? I'm always afraid of meeting people that I respect in Hollywood, people that act in movies that I really love, like actors, or maybe it's like rock stars. I always like cringe when I'm going to meet a rock star for the first time. And I cringe when I'm going to meet directors because you just hope, you hope that they're good people. You hope that they're cool. You hope that they're great, man. And I'm not going to lie. It's fucking awesome that Joe's seen 12 Cam and it, that he loves it. You know, this is like a, f a fucking movie I shot in, in, in 2016, man. You know, it's been that long. And to get this feedback and to get this audience attention, it, it fucking feels good, man. It's, it's nice. I'm not going to lie about it. But I also know that it's not going to, this is just the step, man. It feels good. I take the compliments. We're going we're gonna to move on. We're going on to the next thing. And it's just nice to hear that Joe does the same thing. He's always talking about like going into the ring and the next fight and making his way up. Always. I like it. I like the way he works, man. And I, I admire him as a director and I admire his work. And I just cannot thank him enough for coming on the show and sharing as much as he has with us. I hope you guys loved it. I sure as fuck did. Um, and, uh, how are you? Like, you guys ready? Cause I, this is coming out right before Christmas, right? I think this is going to drop next week, right? I'm, I'm recording this on the 17th. So my voice is a little rocky today. Um, but how you guys doing? You guys ready? You guys doing a big Christmas thing? You got family coming over? You going over to family's places? You flying home? We're not flying home this year. So fucking expensive, man. Are you flying home? Where are you going? What's going on? we got, we got friends coming over. We got, we got a, our own little LA family coming over. Uh, we got a, our trees set up finally. Uh, I think I'm going to cook. I, th I, I, I think I'm going to do a crown pork roast again. I fucking love that. You know? It's like, have you guys ever had a crown pork roast? It's like pork chops, essentially, right? It's bone-on pork chops. But it's uh, split in a very specific way so you can, you can unroll them. So it's like a whole rib. And you can unroll it to, to form a crown. And it cooks in a very specific way. Usually you stuff the center with some sort of stuffing or, or something. I don't know. I think I'm going to do like a risotto instead of stuffing. But stuff the center, right? And uh, it has a very specific flavor and taste because of the way it's cooked. And it's not the type of thing if you only have two people over. Or even three people, it's not enough. Because you, in order to make the crown, you need to have at least, at least four ribs, five ribs, right? With meat on it. So... I love it. I take full advantage of the fact that I got people coming over so I can make food that Gina and I, it would be too much for just Gina and I to have. So I'm getting ready for that. I'm excited. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do the uh, seven fishes on Christmas Eve. I've done it before. It's just a lot. It's a lot. You end up going through the process of trying to eat all seven fishes and then you're trying to cram them in, you know? You know, how about I make this like chowder that's got like, you know, shrimp and this in it, you know? Whitefish and... We'll do a stew. It's tough. It's like, do you guys even know what the seven fishes are? <laughs> There's a couple of Italians listening to the show. It's an old thing. Night of the seven fishes. The idea is that you have, uh, you serve seven different types of fish in different courses, right? So you might do like a, like a shrimp cocktail. I've done like a, like a, uh, like a smoked fish, like a, like a herring or like a spread over over uh, toasted bread, 
And then um, sometimes we'll do, I'll do like a linguine with clams or I'll do like a linguine fried diablo, you know, and it's just like dish after dish after dish after dish. It's crazy. Last time I did it, I think we, we just, we were ready to explode. It was fun. It's fun. It's the holidays. You're supposed to do that kind of thing, right? I'm excited. Christmas Eve. And then I think the day before Christmas Eve or the day before that is when we do our little pub crawl, like our LA pub crawl right before people fly home. Uh, most of LA clears out, which is cool because everybody's going home for the holidays. So the bars are empty. You get to have the run of the place, which is fun. So we usually go out and do like a bar crawl, which I think we'll do. Um, yeah, man. Let's see what else is going on. Uh, oh, I went to, oh, I went to the fucking Viper Room. Went to the Viper Room for the first time ever. Now, the Viper Room, for those of you who don't know, it is a famous bar that was owned by Johnny Depp, and it's infamous for like, what is it, the early 2000s, the late 90s, early 2000s, for being a specific celebrity getaway, like a hideaway for celebs. They get out of the limelight. They can do whatever they want. Um, and it's known for having amazing sound, amazing bands would go in there and it was hard to get it. There's no way you can get it. You'd have to know somebody to get in. Um, like so many of the venues on, on, uh, was that sunset? Like so many of the venues on that strip like that, whiskey, a go, go, uh, rainbow room, all those spots they're they're kind of falling from grace, right? With the death of, uh, the hair man, hair metal bands and, and they really didn't sort of pick themselves back up. Um, it's depressing when I get on that strip. Every, you know, I go into these spots and I go, man, what was it like in here when, like, the Doors was the fucking, you know, the, the house band? They'd play every fucking weekend there. You know, what was it like when Slash was on stage all the time? And, like, and Lemmy was sitting at the end of the bar, you know? Cool stuff. I go in there and it's like a ghost town, right? You just go in there, you see the ghosts of all these folks. Same thing when we went to the Viper Room. It was super cool to be in there. They're about to tear it down. I think they're going to tear it down and put up a hotel. I think that's in February. So, got to go see a friend of mine. His band was on, and uh, we got to hang out there. It was pretty rad. <laughs> Side story is we went in there. It was late. Drank a bunch of beers. Took off. I forgot my fucking credit card, right? So, uh, a couple days later, I have to go back because I need it. You know, it's my credit card with 0% APR on it right now. I need that one. <laughs> so I go back to uh, the Viper Room, and there's a woman working. It was like a, f a Friday that I went back, or Saturday, so it was packed. They're tearing this place down. It's still fucking packed, you know. So I go, and there's this older lady at the door. <laughs> Real salt to the earth. I love her. Go up to the door, and I go, hey, um, I'm not trying to sneak in or anything. I uh, left my fucking credit card here the other day. And she goes... Ah, so you're a fuck up. <laughs> and I go, yeah, I, I, I get it. I know. I, I'm a real piece of shit. I just need to go in and get my credit card. She goes, no, no, no. You're not a piece of shit. You're a fuck up. <laughs> and I go, yeah, 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 I guess so. I guess, I guess you're right. I guess I'm a fuck up. She goes, all right, follow me in here. And so <laughs> she's an old lady. She pulls me in. She goes, ah, it's up now. I'll walk you upstairs. I'll just walk you when I pass the line. So she walks me past the line, walks me upstairs, and goes into like this super packed place. There's a band on stage playing some like outdated rock. And uh, I go up to the bartender, make my way up. Bartender's there. And I'm like, I've left my fucking credit card here. Can I get my credit card? And she goes, 
When did you leave it? I go, a couple days ago. She, oh, it's my phone. Sorry, guys. She goes, a couple days ago. I said, a couple days ago. She goes, you mean a couple days ago or a couple months ago? Like, which one is it? I go, oh, I love you guys. You guys are great. <laughs> so she pulls me in the back room. So I got to go into the back room of the Viper room. And uh, I had to sort through this pile of credit cards, this huge stack of credit cards to find mine. But it was so cool to see the back room and to see all the stuff back there. It was fun. Really fun experience. If you guys are in Los Angeles before February, you go over and see a show at the Viper Room and just have that experience. Be one of the few left that have been in that space. Epic. I mean, that's where fucking uh, Joaquin uh, Phoenix's, River Phoenix died. His brother. Yeah, Joaquin Phoenix's brother died out in front of that place. Horrible. You know? Um, it's it's definitely a true institution of Hollywood. Uh, really rad place, especially if you're into rock and roll and music. Uh, so definitely go check out the Viper Room before they tear that fucking thing down and put up some uh, bullshit hotel. You know? <laughs> All right. All right. I'll stop rambling. You guys have listened long enough. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Continue to follow me on Instagram at Mike Petchy. Continue to follow the podcast Instagram at Love of the Process POD. I'll be running contests. I'll be doing giveaways. You guys can hear about my new films. You can see me posting bad reviews, good reviews, and talking about 12 Gam and all that kind of stuff. All there. All right? That's it. I don't know if there'll be another episode before the holidays, so just in case there isn't one, happy Merry Christmas, happy holidays, happy Kwanzaa, whatever the fuck it is, whatever reason that you need to get together with your friends and family, eat a lot of food. If you drink and drink a lot of really great stuff, whatever you're doing, have fun enjoy it and remember it's these little fucking moments that when we're at the end of our time that we go back and we remember so make sure you take full advantage of them and uh enjoy everything that comes at you right happy holidays everybody talk to you next tuesday